Today's episode of What Happened When is brought to you by SaveCade.com. That's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E.com. But instead of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes throwing that bionic elbow to Ric Flair, what are they going to find there at SaveCade.com? Tony Schiavone? They are going to find the best way that we know, the best way that anyone know, to save money. Fast, easy, save immediately, lower your monthly payments, Conrad, skip your next two house payments, pay off your house faster. Pay off your house faster. That's right. You can pay off the house faster. Own a home with no money down. It's all at SaveCade.com. That's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E.com. Am I right? That's exactly right. If you're a renter after all these payments, what have you got to show for it? Stop throwing your money away. Go to SaveCade.com. We'll get you in a house and your new house payment. It'll be roughly or less than what you've been paying your rent. You can even do it without saving up a big down payment. How's nothing down sound? You don't need perfect credit to do this either. We can hook it up at SaveCade.com. Maybe you've got credit card debt. We can help you knock that out too. Maybe you just want to pay your house off faster. Like Tony talked about, we can help you restructure some of your debt to get out of debt faster. And at the same time, cut years off of your loan. If you have a mortgage right now, ask yourself, how old am I going to be when I pay my house off? If you don't know the answer, you haven't done enough planning. You need to go to SaveCade.com right now. That's S-A-V-E-C-A-D-E.com. And uh, you're not going to go to some strangers. You're going to First Family Mortgage and me, Conrad Thompson. Talk to you soon. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Rocket Promotions. Tony answers what they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Under Russo, Arquette champ. Vinnie Mac simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad. Not your classy podcast. Watch a lot, try not to laugh. Lois rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom's like a good looking man. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When with Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? Conrad, I am so excited. What I'm you? so excited about this show. Shy town Rumble. Shy town Rumble. You know, I was at the WWF at that time looking uh, from Connecticut, looking down on the people in Atlanta and laughing. Ho, 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 ho. Another shitty WCW NWA show. And then I watch it again and I think, you know, it wasn't that shitty, but that was just my my arrogance being up in Connecticut at that time. Well, I'll tell you, I'm pretty excited about today because this is, uh, one of the more iconic shows. And the reason we're choosing to watch it today is because believe it or not, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, Today's the 30 year anniversary of this match, which is 
been regarded as one of the best of all time and earned five stars in the wrestling observer newsletter. And, uh, Dave Meltzer is all over this, but people are still talking about this match 30 years later, as if it was one of the greatest matches there ever was. And of course you weren't there because you yep. were calling fucking ultimate warrior matches instead. So <laughs> looking forward to today. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited about this. Uh, and I have a lot of questions about this show. Now, first of all, did the show itself get five stars or are we talking about steamboat and flair only? Well, the wrestling observer from 89 is not posted in the archives. So I don't know for sure what all the match ratings for this one were, but I do know that this was a five-star match and, and uh, you'll see it written on Dave's face. Cause he's ringside. Oh, well, that's great. That's, that's wonderful. Well, let's, uh, let's do this though. Let's, okay. uh, let's give a countdown. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we want to say or acknowledge before we do a countdown today or no? Oh uh, yeah. I think we should uh, acknowledge Lois Shivani. Uh, she sent me a text and said, do not mention me in your podcast. And I went <laughs> too fucking bad. Uh, she has been under the weather. She's been in the hospital. Uh, and, uh, she is actually, as we talk right now, Conrad, she's doing fine. So she's not going to be here to give us a countdown today. Uh, but I just want to let her know that, and, and I know I speak for everybody, especially the people on Patreon who just have, uh, have flooded our Patreon account with uh, well wishes for Lois, uh, that she appreciates everybody's love and well wishes. Uh, and she, uh, she's kicked out. Uh, she's going to be back. Thank God she's going to be back. Cause I'm tired of feeding these dogs and, um, I'm, I'm tired of having to clean up the kitchen. Uh, and I'm tired of having to do things. Well, I mean, yeah. in a fair, listen, I, I want Lois to have a speedy recovery and, uh-huh. you know, thoughts and prayers for your whole family. And I'm pulling for Lois to, you know, feel better. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if she's, if it's still Lois coming back, there's probably not going to be a lot of cleaning, right? Yeah, well, she feeds the dogs. Okay. Oh, it's the hair that she struggles with. I got yeah, it. Okay. It's hard. I mean, she will feed the dogs. She'll wipe down the kitchen and then she'll get on her phone and look at Facebook for about four hours until Rush Limbaugh comes on. Then she listens to him and then she goes back to her Facebook for about another four. That's her day. And that's fine. I mean, you know, she can do what she wants. Uh, but I, you know, I have to get up early and feed the dogs now. Do they have Facebook in the hospital? Oh, well, she's got her phone. Oh, so she hadn't missed a beat. She's probably good. Oh no. She'd been laying there in the bed. Just, uh, and she was, uh, when we, for, when this first started, she was very, very ill, very sick, a lot of pain, but now she's, she's pretty, she's, uh, she's fine. And we're expecting her to get out any day. So we're ready to go with her. Uh, so in, uh, <clears throat> if you're ready, if everybody is ready, yeah, I guess I- we should tell everybody what the fuck we're talking about. February 20th, 1989, okay. the WCW shot town rumble is what you need to look up in your WWE network. Uh, we just jumped right into calling it shot town rumble, but it is in fact, the WCW show February 20th, 1989. Uh, I was so focused on, Hey, are we going to acknowledge Lois or not? I forgot to do that. So mm-hmm. hopefully you found us now and you're all caught up. Like we are here on the WWE network and Tony, um, I think it's only fitting that you take it away. Hold it. Hold it. Grab your pants and stop the presses. I'm back. I'm back. I'm here. Nothing can keep me down. I am the almighty Lois and I rule. And for the record, Tony was cleaning up his own messes as he should. Don't feed him any lines, Conrad. He's guilty as charged. I do my part. 
He does his part. Cut me some slack. Now, you want your countdown? Here's your countdown. Three, two, one. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not through. Don't ever try to replace me with a secondary sideshow clown of a countdown. You got me? I have to be dead before I can't do the countdown. To all my fans and all my well-wishers, I thank you, and I will do the countdown. Three, two, one, play. We open up with your basic Turner bringing in the slides of the big stars who will be participating in the event tonight. And, of course, it all culminates with, is that a right word? Ricky Steamboat and the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Welcome to Shy Town Rumble 89. And we're coming to you, ladies and gentlemen, from the beautiful UIC Pavilion in uh, downtown Chicago. And your host for this show, uh, quite a broadcast team of Magnum TA and Jim Ross. Fans here were pretty excited about it. And I want you to, as you see a, a shot of these fans, I want you to point out Dave Meltzer when you see him here. Well, he's front row across from okay. the, the hard cam. You'll be able to see him pretty mm -hmm. easily. Uh, what do you think of uh, the job Magnum did when he was out of the ring and instead in the booth? Well, I thought he was still Magnum TA as far as his, you know, Magnum was Magnum was over because of not only his look and not only the way he could work, but the way he always looked at the camera and always talked and was serious and got the point across. You know, he did. I, I thought he did a good job of being a, a, a legit color guy here. There was no sizzle. There was no entertainment value to this as far as like a Jesse Ventura or a Bobby Heenan. But it was Magnum TA being Magnum TA. So I thought it was fine. Well, here we are with JR. Of course, JR was the voice of this Ricky Flair, uh, Ricky Flair, Rick Steamboat, uh, Rick Flair yeah. trilogy in 89. Um, is this considered, let me ask you this, and I will get into it as we go along, but is this considered right now? Here's what they're doing, and this is something usual. I mean, a JR just is talking about each match, setting up each match, and having Magnum TA comment on it, which is just simple. I mean, just you comment on the matches, nothing fancy, uh, just comment on the anticipation. But is this considered the Rick Steamboat, Ricky Steamboat, <laughs> Rick Steamboat, Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair greatest match of all time, of all of them? Everybody debates which one their favorite one was for years and years. My favorite was the second one, which was the clash of the champions that went heads up, uh, with WrestleMania and the Superdome in new Orleans. Yeah. But then as I got a little older, I've thought that maybe the last one where Terry Funk is involved after the match in Nashville was the best one, but Jim Cornette, I believe, and, and certainly Rick thinks that of the three, uh, this is the best one. And, uh, it's funny because I, I had the privilege of watching this match with Rick. Rick had never watched it all the way through Oh wow! until five or six years ago. And yeah. we, we watched it all the way through and check out this package here. Yeah. The road warriors coming to the ring. That was a cool look. You guys had the lights like you like it. And yeah, it was a cool look. And the road warriors were big time over at this time. And, and this was just a little package to, to feature, uh, the stars that you're going to see and some of the matches that you're going to see here at, uh, at shy town rumble, which is it's, it's kind of a, if you, if you think of the way they do production now, uh, this is almost like it should have been the open of the show. No, it, it, to me, fair. it's an awkward position to put this in. 
you you see now the way they do production today. You see that they put these. They'll put a video package at the end of a show, and just kind of show the highlights of what happened. But this is kind of me. This to me, this is like a, just doing another open of the show. And uh, I, I totally agree. I, maybe they thought they needed something to bring the energy up after yeah. the stand up with Jr. Right. But Barry Windham rocking the one glove will never get old to me. That was such a cool look. Oh yeah, that's you know that's throwback uh, a nod to his father. I know that's <laughs> blasphemous for me to say this, but I grew up on the Stan Lane version of the Midnight Express, so it's still uh, my favorite. Right, right, and I, and I was, and and as I go back and and remember this, I didn't realize that Stan. There's our buddy Michael Hayes. I didn't realize that Stan uh, had been a member of the Midnight Express so early. I thought he came much much later. But he did not come much, much later. He came, uh, what, with 80, 87, 88, something like that? And they're I mean, starting to see some clips spurst in now of uh, Steamboat and Flair. Yeah. But, man, how great did um, did Bobby Eaton look back then? Oh, Bobby was. Bobby could do all kinds of shit, man. All kinds of stuff. I just, uh, just absolutely loved him. And, of course, as we, we now know, you know, Bob, oh man, we lots Rick's of shots of Ricky Steamboat and his son. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, uh, know Richie as an adult? No, not at all. Did he wrestle? Yeah. Okay. There was a, there was a little while there where he was actually in NXT and, uh, for whatever reason it didn't work out, but what if it would have, wouldn't yeah. that have been something? I think that was, uh. Oh, oh my gosh. Look at it. Uh, tell us what Michael Hayes is going to say here. Of course, okay. in the back yeah. with Bob Cottle. Yeah. Well, I'd like to tell you something, Bob Cottle. On my back is the stars and the bars of Dixie. Now, in uh, 2016 or 2017, even up 2019, Michael P.S. Hayes will not be able to wear shit like this. But I'd like to tell you, people say that I have a little combination of, well, a rock and roll star and a big old fat bozo clown. But let me say that I'm not. Let me say, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to win this match. You know what I'm saying, Bob Cotto? You got anything to drink? Uh, you don't have anything to drink? That's okay. My friend Conrad's got something to drink. He always has something to drink. And let me say, Bob, yeah, nod at me when you're talking. Here, Michael P.S. Hayes by himself is better than any free bird, dead or alive. Absolutely. I'm going to count on my fingers the, the many times that I've told Vince that he's the man. One, two, well, <laughs> I've told him a million times. Vince, you're the man. I'm looking for a job here, and I know that one day, me, Michael P.S. Hayes, is going to be one of the insiders, going to be one of the big stars, be one of the big front office guys in the WWE. And you know how I know? Because I'm a yes man. That's what I am, Bob Cotto, a yes man. Vince says, you like this tub of shit? I like this tub of shit. You like me to piss on the your head? You can piss on my head. I love it because I'm a yes man. Whoa. And that's Michael P.S. Hayes. Let's go back to the ring. Oh, man. I don't don't know if he said that or not. What do you think of uh, this this entrance set up here? I like it. It's kind of primitive, but it's kind of cool. Four lights above and then uh, a rack of lights on either side for multicolor. And here he comes himself, prancing to the ring, Mr. Doot, Doot, Doot. You know, I know that, um, you know, we know the the rebel flag is a totally different yeah. thing now, but sure. for back in the day, that was a fucking cool robe. Was it not? 
Oh, you damn right. He was. I mean, especially if you were working like the, you know, the Southern territories, the Georgias and the Floridas and man, I bet that thing was over like Rover. I mean, these oh. days, of course they we'd have to burn that motherfucker, but still. Oh my God. Would you take a look at this lady blossom? No, not lady blossom. What was this girl's name? You think she he still was- does that? In re- yeah, he does. Of course. Really? <laughs> You've been to his house. He walks around his house that way. On a bad Just randomly pointing at the sheetrock. <laughs> street in the whole USA. Oh my <laughs> God. Why did I never think of this? I just what? had a million dollar idea. Are you ready oh, for this? Yeah. You know, they had a whole, there's, yeah. Who's, now, who's he managing here? This is uh, David Shelton. I believe a Russian assassin. Number one. I like that. You know, it's David Shelton just based on his nipples. <laughs> well, he, he was always like the, the Russian assassin and, and, the, and you know, Dave, by this time, he wasn't as big as he used to be as far as upper body and strength and everything, but. But Michael just shucking and jiving. So give, give me your million dollar idea here. All right. So, you know, they did a legends house years ago in WWE where they took all these old legends and made it like a reality show where they were all, they were all stuck in this house together for like a month and filmed it. Right. 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 Yeah. What if we did a Southern wrestling legends house and we put guys like Tommy rich and Michael Hayes just locked them up together. But instead of it being some random house, it was at Michael's house. Oh, and, and he had, he, he was, was giving everybody the free bird rules and those rules would change every day. Dude, that's a great, I'm going to pitch that. Yeah, you should. Somebody say something about Jaeger. <laughs> I'll a- have another. Who else would be in this uh, Southern house? I mean, Michael Hayes, Ricky Morton, He's Ricky. Morton. Um, okay. Tommy rich, Tommy rich, Michael Hayes, Tracy Smothers, Bobby Fulton. All right. Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton. Yeah. Oh, and the instigator of all. Are you ready? Yes. I don't know why I didn't think of this. Jim Cornette. <laughs> if Jim Cornette and Michael Hayes are there. Oh my it's God. It's going to be fucking fun. Oh my God. There it is. And that's why you are who you are. My friend. That's why you are who you are. I might start doing TV shows instead of fucking conventions. <laughs> Yeah, idea. Uh-huh. You're an idea guy. You're just an idea guy. Dusty used to be an idea guy. And then, you know, he was one. I'll Kevin Sullivan was an idea guy. That's a heck of a compliment. I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pat Patterson was an idea guy. Bruce Pritchard was an idea guy. Don't but you, now. Don't you put that on me. <laughs> but now it's Conrad Thompson. Boy, boy, Michael knows how to play to the crowd. Paul Jones was in his day, a fine wrestler. He really was. Paul was never the greatest talker in the world. Uh, and, uh, but Paul could, Paul could work a match, man. He could work heel or baby face. And I remember being, a you know, gro- growing up in mid Atlantic championship wrestling and watching Paul Jones and thinking, uh, man, he's not that good. I listen to his interviews on TV and thinking not that good, but then I go to the, go to a house show or something and, and he put on a hell of a match either way. So there was a guy that really got over because of his work. I never saw him. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Interesting that, uh, the referee that you're seeing in here is, is not one of our regular referees. This is, I guess, one of the Illinois state 
uh, sports commission referees that they had to use at that time. I was wondering if you knew that, that young man. Mm -mm. No, but you can tell by the patch on him that he is a member of the, and you, you know, you would have to do that. You would have to, uh, well, basically, you know, with sport back then, I don't know how they are now, but back then sports commissions were just, just a handout company. You know, they just got there so they could get their money. And so you had to do something to kind of give a nod to the sports commission or let them know that you were falling in line. And you would do that by letting their guy maybe, uh, referee an early match. They would never put him in like steamboat or flare or something like that in the main event. But, uh, knowing that Michael Hayes basically is just putting on a, uh, uh, arm bar here and, uh, looking to the crowd and that's kind of all he's been doing for the last five or six minutes. It's easy. You can just put anybody into referee this match. I feel like you're sort of shitting on Michael's wrestling yeah, ability. Listen, here a little bit. I'm, I'm, you know how I feel about Michael Hayes. God, I love him. I do. Okay. One of the great, one of the great personalities in the business. And I give him shit all the time. And I remember with the last, I think I've mentioned this before, but I was backstage for, uh, recently for SmackDown when they were in Atlanta recently last year sometime. And I said, somebody go get Michael. I want to see him. And I was back where the producers were and Michael walked in looking as only he can look, I might add. And he, he looked to me, he said, Oh, fuck you. I hate you. And he walked away, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Uh, and I said, no, you don't come back here. And here's the thing. When he says, oh, fuck you, I hate you and walks away, yeah. the, like he really leaves. He sells it all the way. Like, it's not like uh, he takes oh. two steps and turns around. No, he leaves. Oh, and I know. you're just left to wonder what the fuck did I do? No, uh, you know, and he's one of those characters in wrestling that I'm really, really happy that I got to know, uh, not only, uh, you know, not only on a, uh, on a professional level, but a personal level too, because he's, he's a lot of fun. So there, and Look at that, Matt. Did you see that leap? Holy shit. Wonder if he can leap like that now over somebody. Oh man. Arm drag takedown. Yes, sir. Michael Hayes doing a little see Matt, Michael, what is he blowed up already, you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, a couple of moves right there, and he had to get down on one knee here and take a uh, deep breath there, Michael. There you go. Uh that's what you get for smoking them camels. Hmm. What? Looking around. So this is the opening bout of Chi-Town Rumble. We've got, gosh, we've got the Road Warriors coming up here. We've got uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan and Dr. Death Steve Williams coming up here. And, uh, and then, of course, Steamboat and Flair. Two and a half hour show, which, uh, you know, the, the show's got a little bit longer after that, about 245 to three hours. But uh, what do you think of this look? Now, you know, here we are in the era of lighting the crowd, showing the crowd. I don't know. Uh, what the actual attendance figure was this back then, this was a, a smaller venue. This was not the size of, let's say, and of course the United center wasn't around at that time, but Chicago stadium where the bulls played at that time or the Rosemont horizon. Uh, but this thing I think was probably pretty full, but they still made it very dark. No, but I like that. And I know me and you just disagree because you like to light the crowd. And I know that that's certainly very modern, but I think, um, Having it a, a little darker to where, by the way, that's Dave Meltzer in, in a yellow shirt with like a little Afro looking, I mean, he's got like the full curly Q deal in the front row. 
Oh my God. I'm sure they're going right. to play up to him. Right. right. He's right in front of Paul Jones. He's okay. Seated right there. His head just popped out anyway. Oh, I see it. Okay. He, uh, I, I like this. All the lights just on the ring. It's dark around it. It makes it feel more, uh, special, I guess. You know, I don't yeah. need, I don't need the crowd to be lit for me to get excited. Like well, I, I, I like this where you just see like the shadows of the concourse in the back and the lights above it. It has more of a, a big time old school feel to me. Like, you know, a Muhammad Ali boxing match or something. Sure. Sure. It, it's the way it used to be done. And, and, and I get it, you know, Jr. uh, and, and I always thought he was right about this. Jr. hated to light the crowd. He always used to say, God damn, you light the crowd. They sit on their hands. He said, they're louder and they're, they're more, they're more vocal. They're rowdier when they're in the dark than if they're all lit. And, and I think that has, uh, that has some validity to it. Don't you? Yes. Yeah. That, the, that if you're all lit in the crowd, you know, everybody can see you and you're not as willing to uh, go crazy and cheer. And, and that may be one of the reasons that, I mean, you go back to the, 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 the uh, day like this and even earlier, you know, back in the early eighties. And we had big events. The crowds were, they were rapid and you didn't have to sweeten them because they were so loud and they were so into it. And now these days, you know, the crowd is lit and the crowd itself is almost, well, it is a part of the show. Uh, listen, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, you know, darken it. Paul Jones, Paul passed away last year. Uh, I, I think we ought to probably say something too here. Uh, here's a cover first One, two. look at that referee. Uh, we need to say something here about the passing of Pedro Morales, uh, who was a great WWF champion. I say that because he was one of WCW's Spanish announcers. Oh, so you, knew, Mc- you knew him. Oh yeah. Very well. He and Miguel Alonso, uh, and everybody called him Petey and one Wait, of the like, nice- like, like Petey Pablo. No, sorry. I don't mean to. <laughs> okay. Everybody called him Petey or Pete. Uh, one of the genuine nice guys. And I would spend time with him and Miguel a little bit about storylines and everything. Just always smiling, always friendly. Uh, uh, and I understand he had Parkinson's and he, he battled through that in later, his later years. And, uh, we're going to miss him. He was, uh, he was a good guy, man. Good guy with us. All the big shows in WCW back in the day. So if you were, uh, if you, uh, listen to the Hispanic broadcast, you listen to he and Miguel Alonso back, you know, during the, the run of the NWO. I see Meltzer. I see Meltzer. I like it's like, he, oh, it's like, well, where's Waldo? Where's Dave? Michael Hayes getting the fans pumped up here. I guess, uh. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. this is, well, it's not a good match, <laughs> but Hey man, let's put this on first and let's have some excitement. I mean, that's, get- that's really sort of what I don't get. I mean, just a, a handful of years after this, with the help of Eric Bischoff, you guys would sort of crack the code and man, every WCW show started with one hell of a match. That was not the case here. Exactly. Well, you know who the booker was here, don't you? No. This was a George Scott production. Oh, okay. 
And this was like probably one of his last ones. Uh, or maybe one of his first ones. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's uh, because I had uh, I had just left basically in February of 1989. I, I was I was just getting acclimated. Uh, here's a story. I was living in Connecticut and the family was still in Charlotte. Uh, they didn't move up till April. Uh, but I was living in Connecticut and I was hanging out with Bruce Pritchard every night. Hmm. <laughs> How about that? Eating food, getting drunk, working late. And I'm thinking, man, this is, uh, this is the life here, buddy. So, uh, yeah, this is George. This is, this is George Scott booking right here. And maybe, you know, because Steamboat and Flair did a lot of work with George Scott back in the day, back when Steamboat and Flair first started, maybe that's one of the reasons this match was so good. But then again, there's been people that tell me, and I don't know if this is true or not, because I only work with George maybe like a week or a couple of months. People tell me that George Scott was a good booker because he always let the guys plan their own match. I've always heard that George Scott was a good booker. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't know that that's, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck do I know? But I'm just right. Right. Well, but I've heard that, that George Scott would, uh, would tell steamboat and flair, uh, you got this long. Go have fun. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, it's funny because, you know, golly, I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but. When I started thinking about Starcast 2, I thought, man, you know, what can we do bigger? What can we do better? What would be a cool, unique experience? And one of my favorite things I ever got to do as a wrestling fan was watch this match we're going to watch today with Rick mm-hmm. and him sort of let you know what he was thinking when he was thinking it and how it came together. And, you know, and him just watching something and then he would get tickled and start laughing and say, oh, I remember that spot. We did that in such and such town one time and this happened and you know, all that little, those little moments that you sort of get to, you know, it's almost like when you're watching NFL and you see John Gruden with a quarterback and they're breaking down film together, that's kind of fun. And so sure. we're going to do that at Starcast, and we've got steamboat and flair and, and Jr. is going to moderate it and who better since he was there mm-hmm. and we'll have the, the actual real big gold belt that they were challenging for that night. And it'll be a really cool experience. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm glad that you and I get a chance to watch it here because this is a show that you weren't there for, but it's still, uh, an iconic WCW show. It sure is. And nothing gets us prepared for it better than this shit match. We're watching right here. I mean, I'm, I'm just right now. I'm just ready to fast forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. But, but again, you know, this is George Scott booking. Hey, it's the opening match, you know, get two guys, get them over, you know, forget about this. Have a great match at the beginning of the show type thing. Um, I mean, to yeah, me, and- Michael Hayes should always be in a tag team. Oh yeah. Let him, you know, come in and get the heat, but then you got to have some little buddy Roberts motherfucker running around somewhere. Well, come on. It's the free birds, right? Right. I mean, let's, let's think of how great the free birds were. And that's why, because it was right. the best of everything. You had a big bully, badass ass kicker. Then right. You had another guy who could talk his ass off and you know, who was cool. And then you had a third guy who, when it was time for 
the, the baby faces to get their revenge. Well, who, who did a better job making them look good than Bunny? Right, exactly. So this match has been going on like what, 15 minutes or so, maybe more. It, 20 feel, minutes? it feels like we started at Tuesday. <laughs> yes. And right now it's somewhere around Sunday afternoon, but it, 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 we can't, I mean, look, we can't deny that these two guys are really working pretty hard. I mean, they are, I mean, they're, they're doing the absolute best they can. And, and, and I, I appreciate that. I, I really do. I mean, think about this. Michael Hayes is going to wrestle the Russian assassin. I don't know if there was any storyline between the two at this time or not. Probably not. And they're told you got to go out there and give us 20 minutes. They're probably thinking, what the fuck are we going to do? <laughs> right. Right. We'll, we'll just do the best we can do. And hell, Michael's kind of laying them in right there. Oh, Michael. All right. I think we've got to finish coming here. There you go. Thank God. Bulldog. Come on, Mike. Covering. Holy shit. There you go. One, two, three. Woo. Woo. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Further down the block, you got the shittier the match. Got dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Here he goes. And, oh, look at that uh, circular fly in there. And let's take a look one more time. The Russian assassin dips down, but no. Michael says, I'll do it like we used to do it back in world class. Baby, down you go there, fallen angel. Angel of death or whatever you call it. Here's a cover. Hook that big leg. Put the leg up for me. Thank you. One, two, three. Yeehaw. Dave Meltzer goes crazy at ringside. And Michael Hayes is your winner. Well, there you go, Conrad. A hot open, huh? Way to start the match. I think he went crazy at ringside because it was finally over. Right. Oh, would you take a look at this? Take a look at this. There's little Ricky, and there's Rick, and there is Bonnie. Hmm. <laughs> Come on, give us a Bonnie story. Uh, I just, no, I don't have a Bonnie story. I just, I just wondered if she wrote this for him. Oh, well, that's, that's <laughs> sort of the rap on that. I don't, man, everybody just... Yeah, well, she was known as uh, a very uh, dominating person. Maybe, uh, maybe she was maybe more involved in his career than most women were at that time. If she weren't uh, around, would Ricky have had a bigger career? Ah, uh, well, I, I think there's probably some validity to that. Uh, I, if she wasn't around, uh, I don't think he'd be holding little Ricky right now, but this is a real baby face thing to do though. Don't you think? Look at him, look at him tugging on that microphone. Without dude. question. <laughs> yeah. She was known as, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. No, not an instigator. I just, uh, I don't know. Oh, a peanut head. Oh, peanut head. I'm going to be a referee here. Are we going to go another freaking 20 minutes here? We didn't even show a sting entrance. Sting and hacksaw Butch Reed. You know, Butch Reed was over in Florida. Yeah. He looked pretty good here. Look at that, man. Big upper body. Yeah, man. Motherfucker, go push back and forth. 
Sting picks him up, and this is yeah. Keep in mind that this is, uh, and, and this is kind of what I we uh, Hiro Matsuda there with Axel Butreat. Um, so we're like, uh, what do you think? Maybe seven, eight months before the debut of Doom, probably. Well, you weren't there, but I, I think they're still just. They're shy of a year here before Butch Reed is one half of doom under the hoods. Yeah. And let me, let me, here's a, here's a thought about booking and about, uh, how you do things. So we, we've mentioned that George Scott was a booker at this time in a year prior to this with dusty as the booker sting was in the main event against Ric Flair. And yeah. now here he is in the second match against Butch Reed. They didn't even have an entrance for him to show you the fan response. And so maybe just maybe that, that George Scott didn't think as much of sting as dusty did. It's kind of surprising. Really. If you think about it, think about all the, think about all the guys who, who are stars in this. You got Wyndham coming up against Luger. You got the road warriors, uh, coming up in the world tag team title. You got the world television title coming up. And here is Sting on the second match on the card. I just, it's, if you think about this, this is something that you think would happen earlier than 1988. Right. But here it's, it's happening a year later after he made a name for himself in that famous clash of the champions. So it's kind of interesting. Maybe they just didn't have anything for him to do. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, and you know, I, uh, I mean, I, I look, he looks good. He's <clears throat> tan. Eric would have loved him here. Um, so interesting. Just, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to try to, uh, to get into the mind of bookers, isn't it? To it what is. they're thinking about. It is. Yeah, it really is. Without question, without question. Sorry. So, so how's our buddy Bruce doing? Uh, how's things going with, uh, um, what's the name of your podcast with him again? Something to wrestle. You might oh, something to wrestle with Bruce, Bruce Richard. Richard. Yeah. How's he been doing? Okay. Good. Good. Well, uh, having record downloads. I don't oh, I'm know, sure I, you I, are. I don't, man. I don't know how people are still finding the show, but they are. And yeah, it tickles me to, to see, uh, you know, when someone is like, oh, I just discovered the podcast three months ago. And then they share like how many hours they've listened to in the last three months. And I'm like, your brain's rotten by now. <laughs> well, it is, uh, it is set the standard for pod- wrestling podcast. Well, I don't know about all that. Oh yeah, it has. And, uh, certainly you and he have gone out and gone live and done your shows and it's been great. And, uh, well, hang on now we're, we're watching the shot town rumble and I'm pretty sure uh, me and you and Eric are going to be at the shot town rumble. Uh, well, we're going to be coming up in Chicago very soon. Aren't we? We are indeed. Yeah. C2 E2. Yep. The rumor and innuendo is that you're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Eric's going to be there. Yeah. Do some, uh, meet and greets and, uh, then our live show together. Uh, what are you expecting a show with Eric Bischoff to be like? You've told me once before that keep me away from that motherfucker. Whoa. He was my boss and I don't like him. Well, you, you know what, you know, you know, sometimes you're a shit disturber 
And sometimes you're just a lying motherfucker. No, that's real. When I first started the podcast with him, you said, keep me away from that motherfucker. And now you're backing up on it. So let you, let you know, hang big man. What's going on. I never said that you lying to you lying fucking cocksucker. Oh my gosh. Why are you using this language? (laughs) This language. Sorry. You are fibbing. You goodness. Nice young man. You thank you. Okay. You're fibbing. Anyway, so looking forward to this, and you know what? Uh, you know what? I, I know it's a C2E2 is like a, a big comic convention. Yeah. I'm going to have a, I have my checkbook or I have my credit card and I'm going to have a couple of bags and I'm going to get me some Batman stuff. Well, you know, they're doing a clueless reunion that weekend. So I find it funny that we're going to be talking about WCW. <laughs> yes. It'll be clueless part two. That's it. We can roll the credits. I'm not going to beat that one this week. <laughs> wow. So I look forward to that. That's coming up, uh, in the month of March. We'll be there. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the 23rd, in fact, Yeah, 23rd of March. Wow. In, uh, in uh, Chicago. Very excited. Actually, I'm very excited about seeing, seeing you in person again. We haven't really, you know, seen each other in person in quite a while. Well, Uh, Lois, hopefully you'll be a better that time and she'll be joining me as well. I talked you to know, somebody yesterday who told me that the, uh, the guest list is quite extensive. Yeah. And when I said how many people and they said the number, and let me just say it's hundreds. I uh-huh. said, holy shit. That must mean they even invited Tony Schiavone and sure enough, <laughs> they yeah. did. Yeah. I've, I've talked to some people that I, that I was shocked that they were inviting. Uh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. When I, so that's how we got started on the conversation. They said, did you know so-and-so's coming? And I was like, what the fuck for? <laughs> and then I was like, well, goddamn, if they're coming, you know, Tony Schiavone's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's the dress code anyway? Uh, nope. you know, I had, yeah. just had a conversation about that. And, uh, let me just tell you, I'm going to wear slacks and I'm going to wear a blazer, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not wearing a suit. Not, not me. Yeah. Not, not me, not, not me. I'm just going to rock the, uh, sport coat and, and, and slacks. That's, that's going to have to be good enough for, uh, yeah. Oh, there's at least. I know for sure there's eight people there. You do not want to see. really. Yeah. Well then maybe I'll, I'll get drunk and uh, challenge a couple of them. Oh my God. That would be so awesome. Man. We'll roll on videotape, put it on Patreon. I was fixing to say, if you're, if you're going to start scrapping, first yeah. of all, we're going to do two things. We're mm-hmm. going to have our cameras charged and ready to go. Yeah. That's number <laughs> one. But number two, we're going to send the bat signal. To like Jay Z Flair and Bad Money Slim, <laughs> and they're gonna do a run in. <laughs> the bat signal. You like that? Yeah, I love that, man. You have those two bald guys come in. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. Back me up. You know, uh, in in reality, uh, if she was uh, if she was a hundred percent, I know Lois won't be a hundred percent by that time, but. Uh, she can kick some ass too. I mean, 
Just so, just so we're clear, we're talking about. I just want to make sure we're talking about this, right? Okay. And, uh-huh. and you're planning. We're, we're planning fights, right now. No, I'm not. I'm not planning fights. I'm preparing in case there's a fight. I'm not planning one. Okay. Okay. And just you just you know you you've got to be prepared. Two things you got to be prepared about. When you walk out of the house, you got to be prepared for someone to try to fuck you in the ass. Oh. That's number one. Oh. And number two, when you go to a public setting with your friends, you got to be prepared for someone to want to fight. I mean, that's kind of the things, you know, growing up in the mountains of Virginia that we live by. The mountains of Virginia, he says. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I just, you know, you know how it is when you grow up and you, and, and you, uh, you grow up, you don't know how it is when you grow up in the mountains of Virginia, but no, you know, I you just, but you know, things that have the things that in your youth that you were taught when you were young have stuck with you throughout your life. Son, don't let anybody, don't let anybody, you know, roll you over a sink or anything like that. Number one. And number two, if somebody wants to scrap, don't you back down. And those were kind of the two of the many rules that we lived by back then. But hey, that was back in the sixties and seventies, long before you were born. But so, hang on now. Okay. You thought that what? maybe somebody's gonna challenge you here? No, 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 no. I'm just I don't think anybody is. I just you just always gotta be prepared. Okay. Well listen, I'm ready. God damn. I got you. Oh man, I got Conrad in my You know what? Uh wow. I'm I'm flying over though, so I can't fly weapons. Oh well, don't worry. There'll I'm, be weapons when you get there. I'll be coming in from uh New York. I thought you were going, but you're not. So I'm yeah. coming straight from New York to there and uh I'm gonna need you to be ready. Yeah. I'll be ready. No, I mean, just, you know, you're going to bring the heat or what are we doing? Yeah. Well, if I bring mama Shivani, that's all. I mean, Lois Shivani, that's all I need to do. Okay. Well, I'm ready. All right. Meanwhile, what do you think of this match we're seeing right now? Uh, I wish I, it was uh, over. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't mean like finished. I mean, I wish these guys were over. No, oh, I, I, I've always been a sting mark, especially back in these days. I enjoy watching sting from. You know, this era, because when I was a kid, he was, you know, without question, my favorite WCW wrestler, it was him and the Steiner brothers. They were my absolute favorites. And, um, butch Reed, I was never a fan of as a singles guy. I can respect his talent, but as a kid, I was like, oh, I hope they beat him up. Now, when they put the hoods on, I all of a sudden thought doom was pretty cool. What do you think about, uh, and this is really an eclectic group here because you got Butch Reed, who is maybe one of the more underrated performers, Sting, who's certainly a Hall of Famer. The referee is Teddy Long, who's going to go on to be a Hall of Famer. And then on the outside is Hiro Matsuda, which, I mean, those are four big names in the industry. But what yeah. do you think of the idea of bringing in Hiro Matsuda as like, because JJ Dillon's gone. Yeah. So you need like a, a heel manager. And of course, you know, this, I guess is their answer to a more dignified Mr. Fuji, just because in this era it was, oh, he's, he's an Asian manager. He's a bad guy. There was not, there was no baby face Asian managers. You know what I mean? So, uh, huh. what did you think of Matsuda in this role? Well, I, I never did. I never did really like hero. Look, hero was a great guy. 
He really was nice man, but I never did. I never thought he really added anything to matches because he, he just didn't. Uh, I always thought that they brought him in and they used him just to get an in road and to build up good relationships with Japanese wrestling, be it new Japan, all Japan, whatever it was back then. And that was the reason that, that he was around, uh, for that relationship with Jap- with the uh, promoters in Japan. But I never thought he really added much. As a matter of fact, you know, we've seen Paul Jones out now already. Hero Matsuda's out, and Hero's kind of just stuck in the corner there. Yeah. I mean, he's not really walking around like a Jim Cornette would do. Or, you know, I mean, the, he did something just now to, to the heel thing to, to grab Sting while the referee's attention was somewhere else. And, but Matsuda just kind of stuck in the corner and has, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I never did see it. Never did get it. Never did understand it. But again, uh, the connection with, uh, Japanese wrestling and maybe he and, uh, George Scott were buddies. And there was a lot of, as you know, not only, I mean, this isn't every walk of life, Conrad, but there was always, you know, taking care of your friends, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So. I mean, we just saw Hero's hand, and that's all we saw. He pointed. And not only that, he's going to be involved in the Ric Flair match, too. Uh, he'll be at ringside for that, which, to me, just kind of blows me away. If you if you really think about it, did Ric Flair ever need a manager? No. Unless he had, like, you know, Miss Liz or woman with him, which always females of Ric Flair worked. Uh, but he never needed a manager. And Steamboat never, well, Steamboat had a manager, his wife. She managed his affairs. What's Bonnie Steamboat doing now? Do you know? Counting royalty checks, I reckon. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Running somebody else's life, maybe. She's probably looking for you. (laughs) Why? Why would she be looking for me? You're a pushover. Oh, Okay. I'm trying to get you fired up. I need you in fighting mode. Okay. I just, uh, maybe Bonnie will show up with a baseball bat. Say that's Shivani guy. I'm looking for him. I don't think if she's coming in swinging, she's coming in for you necessarily, but she may see you and just add you to the list, (laughs) but you forget. She's probably got a few things to be mad about Rick from, from back in the day. Yeah. Right. You would think that, and and I don't want to, I don't want to uh, make this, you would think that a, a lady who had that much to do with her husband's career, right? That she did was probably probably pretty good elsewhere. Oh my gosh! Are you saying what I think you're saying right now? Yeah, I'm. I'm saying that. Uh, that well, they're. Get it. Get maybe it. I, uh, maybe I should shut up. Get it. Maybe I should shut up. Maybe. Get it. Okay. J- just maybe that this would be, and uh, I know this wasn't big back then, but it is now. Get it. Maybe. Get it. Bonnie would have been perfect if you had blue chew in your pocket. Oh my gosh. I just, I just thought that, you know, and, and now Hell, now you you don't need a doctor visit. You don't need an awkward conversation. 
you don't need to wait in line at a pharmacy. But, I mean, do you remember back in the day, like the first time you had to go get dick pills? That was a that was a whole situation, was it not? I mean, you had to have more anxiety about going to see the doctor than you did actually work wondering if your gimmick would work. Yeah, exactly, and and then you know, anxiety leads to limp dick. Sure. And then and then you go in there, so you go into the pharmacy and you say, I want some what what. And you got the prescription and you get your Viagra and then you get ready to take it. And you think you look at the Viagra and you're thinking about that time that you're in the pharmacy and had to ask for it, embarrassed. And then you don't want to take it. But now you don't have to worry about that because Blue Chew has reinvented everything. They really have. It's got the same active ingredient as both Viagra and Cialis. You know, it really works and it's a chewable. So you can take it anytime and it's going to work faster. You can take it on an empty stomach or after you've eaten, whatever you'd like. But yeah, I think the number one thing is it can be prescribed online and it's shipped discreetly and it's individually packaged. So it's ready to go when you're ready to go. And I know that that's going to come in handy for you because there's going to be hundreds of women that you haven't seen before or in a very long time that maybe you wished you had a shot for. Lois will be drunk at the bar. This will be your chance to break out the old blue chew. Lois drunk at the bar and I'm popping blue chew. It's just like, you know, it's the way we are. It's the way of the world in 2019. You know, now that, you know, she's occupied and she's got what she wants. Well, if somebody from back in the day here is there, then maybe you can finally get what you want. And if you're looking for a hashtag super hard dick, we've got a special offer for our what happened when listeners right now. Don't we Tony? Visit bluechew.com. Get your first order free, but you got to use this promo code guys. WHW. That's right. Pro- promo code WHW. You only pay five bucks shipping. And again, once again, B L U E dot com. Promo code WHW. Free. We're handing out free hard dicks again. Well, what's, f- what's funny is a few weeks ago or months ago, whenever we first got Blue Chew as a sponsor, they sent both you and I like a sample pack. And you texted me, and it was like all capital letters and some misspellings. But you said it's so hard, even a cat couldn't scratch it. And I don't even know what that means, but I know it sounds pretty good. So right. if you want one of those, uh, just go ahead and go to Blue Chew. Tell them that promo code again. WHW, just like what happened when. WHW is your promo code at bluechew.com. And maybe, just maybe, you'll see Bonnie. I don't know what her, I'm, she's not Bonnie Steamboat. Hey, you know what? Let's get a little viral campaign going. What if we had people tweet you before and after pictures? Whoa, what do you mean? Like, you know, not like publicly. You think I'm show my dick on... on no, on no, not you show yours, but like, let, let's say Bad Money Slim, who's listening right now, let's say that he wants to go ahead and sample some Blue Chew. Maybe wow. what he could do is he could just DM you private selfies to show you like before and after. So you could be proud that you know you know our listeners are really enjoying some of our advertisers and it, no. our advertising is really working our, uh, i i know our advertiser really works do not dm me a dick pic hang on Crying now out. what are you trying to do here to me wait a minute okay you, you've you've been on this very show and talked about the baby's arm holding an apple a dozen times well yeah and but now, the, the, now all of a sudden you don't want to see bad money slims what bad money slim no. do to you no, no, that's whoa! Did Sting get the three count there? Yes, he did. Thank, Thank God. God. <sighs> Bailed us out. And Hero Matsuda. You know that's where you are. You'd rather talk about hard dicks than than a butch read match. 
No, well, listen, look, uh, it, it, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the, the best the best memories you have of your time as a sports fan are the one are the things that are in your in your mind, not the things you see on TV or you see pictures of. So I don't want to see it. Anyway. So anyway, that's bluechew.com. <laughs> Code WHW for hashtag superharddick. Oh boy. And this match was very, very difficult to get through. Yes, it was. Wow. Take a look at this. Now this is going to be, uh, the loser of this match has to retire. And, uh, Randy Rose, I, I don't know the story about why they brought Jack victory in for this. Well, because, because they just bought the UWF. Um, oh, so okay. they've combined them all. I mean, not just on it, but that territory is gone now. So why not use some of these dudes and the right. original midnight express is what they're being billed as here and being managed by Paul Heyman, who is here known as Paulie dangerously. He's got his fist taped up. He's cutting a heck of a promo with Bob Cottle pointing to the camera a lot, bobbing that head. He's mm. always been a strong promo, but he's probably not talking about being an advocate for the original midnight express. What do you think he's talking about instead? Yeah, he's talking about Jim Cornette and he's talking about getting in the ring with Jim Cornette. I would think unless you, well, <laughs> Randy Rose, but uh, Jack victory wasn't, a, wasn't one of the original midnight express is what I was, was asking here. I think that he was just a substitute in this show. Uh, let me see if I can look this up and, and find out exactly what it was. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be Dennis Condry. There you go. Dennis Condry and Randy Rose were the Mitchell Midnight Express. And here I'm reading this out of Wikipedia. Condry left the NWA just before the event was replaced by Jack Victory. That's what I'm trying to get to there. No, I thought you were like, who the fuck is Jack Victory and why is he here? No, I, I know who Jack Victory was, but he was just a sub in this match. Dennis Condry has always been uh hokey pokey. How's he not? Oh yeah. Dennis Dennis was uh Dennis was willing to walk away if things didn't I remember talking to Dennis about this very vividly, I remember. When we were talking about the first Skywalkers match, you know, the scaffold match that we have certainly talked about ad nauseum on this on this podcast, but about how dangerous they are and how crazy it was. And I remember talking to Dennis about it. We were standing there one day, we're doing promos and we were doing promos for the Skywalkers match. And I said, man, I hope you guys get a lot of money for this shit. And Dennis says, well, we better, if not, there ain't going to be any more. And and that's kind of how he was. Um, so was willing to walk away from it and he walked away more than once, right? He walked away from this midnight express version. We're looking here and he walked away from the original midnight express too. Look at Bobby's mullet. Would you, I took some time to fix that up. So, uh, I'm getting over this whole, um, Forrest Gump of wrestling shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, chat me up about that. Well, I've started to refer to myself as the Forrest Gump of wrestling. Oh, and I got to tell you, like the only thing I haven't done yet 
has managed to piss off Jim Cornette. And that's really apparently not that hard to do. I mean, maybe I have, he just hasn't cut like a public promo on me yet. Right. But isn't that like a rite of passage? Did you ever have Jim Cornette cut a, uh, a promo on you? Uh, no, he never has, but he threatened to kick my ass one time. Oh, we got to hear that. Yeah. Well, I've talked about that, that when we were in San Francisco and he picked up a chair and was going to hit a kid with it and I was the ring announcer and I grabbed him and he turned to me and was serious and said, never put your hands on me or I will fucking kick your ass. And he was serious. And as he walks around the side of the ring, he is staring at me, staring at me across the ring. I'm thinking, you know, the, if he doesn't settle down pretty soon, he's going to walk over here and really kick my ass. So, yeah. Well, but, uh, no, he's never cut a promo on him on me. He's never been mad at me, but then again, you know, time's not up yet. Uh, maybe he, uh, will get mad at you and mad at me and <laughs> Paulie <laughs> blows his nose on his coat and, uh, wow. Some good looking girls there. I just noticed the good, let's see the midnight express and the NWA are number one in Chicago. Whoa, look, they, they light some of the crowd. What just, the hell just, happened just there? One, one random shot. <laughs> what the fuck? Hey, put a light on there. Okay. There's a light on. Uh, okay. We don't like it. You can take it down. And they're kind of odd. I mean, if it, if it wasn't the fact that they were moving, it almost looked like a picture of people stuck up in the middle there. Now, compare, compare Hero Matsu to these kids, right? I mean, geez, these guys were and are two of the greatest ever. I like the, uh, the concept, but without Dennis Condry in there, it kind of sucks, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it does. Because there's a story there. Yeah, but with, with Jack Victory, there's not. No, there's nothing. But it's the best they could do. I guess they think two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> so you're the Forrest Gump of wrestling, eh? Well, you know, it's just people always ask, like, how did you do that? I'm like, fuck, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, what? why, why is Conrad there? I, I'm always like, like, I see comments after you know, I do something or, you know, something makes a headline somewhere or people are talking about something one way or another, and I'm somehow involved and without fail, someone in the comments is always like, how the, why the fuck is Conrad there? And I'm all, I always like it. And I'm underneath struggling like, fuck, I don't even know, but it just happened. Like the resurgence of Tony Schiavone, I mean, Tony Schiavone's back in wrestling and everybody's so excited about it. And then people say. How the fuck is Conrad Thompson involved? And I'm like, I don't know. I will. I can answer that. Uh, if a man's got a plan, then a lot of times the plan works. You just got to have a plan. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I bring up this story all the time. And as a matter of fact, I was talking about it the other day and I can't remember who I was talking about it with. Maybe it was, uh, somebody that I saw one of the doctors in the hospital. Uh, and you know, I mean like everybody, yeah, look, 
wrestling back in the day and even today, but really back in the day had uh, far reaching, uh, fandom. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, we're talking about, yeah, look, people say wrestling was just for the dumbass rednecks. Bullshit. Bullshit. There are doctors, there are lawyers, there are politicians who are big wrestling fans. And I've known some doctors that a doctor, as a matter of fact, uh, here's a story. I went to see a neurologist a couple of years ago and I still see him on a irregular basis. When he came in, you know what he did? First thing he did when he came in, what's that? He hugged me. He hugged me. You the big part of my childhood. I thought it was you a doctor. So it's so anyway, I'm, I'm talking to a, a, a doctor and so how did you get into this podcast business? And I, and I talked about you and I said, the fact is Conrad didn't just send me this little email to say, Hey, you want to do a wrestling podcast? Yours truly Conrad Thompson. No, I said it was a freaking plan. It was an absolute plan. So that's why you're around. And, and I think, uh, I really think that, uh, that you should call your company, uh, Bubba Conrad. Mm, Bubba rad. Bubba rad. <laughs> yeah, baby. Bubba rad. Okay. Just like Bubba Gump, right? Bubba rad. Go daddy. B U B B A R A D dot C O M. Okay. It's taken. Fuckers. Ah, fuck. What the fuck is it then? I thought I thought I came up with something. Yeah. Server yeah. not found. Oh, well, well, meanwhile, we're, we're seeing some guys who can really work. Oh, I, I got sued this week. Did you really? Yeah. I can't tell you on air, but I'll tell you off air. I forgot to tell you though. Cause you know, you've been doing all your lowest stuff. So there's a lot that happened in my week this week oh. that I got to catch you up about, but yeah, I got okay. a, I got a nasty gram. Wow. And I think you're going to love it. Uh, I love it already. As a matter of fact, you like when I get sued. No, no, I, I like, uh, I liked, uh, <sighs> confrontations. Well, we got one. Okay. We, yeah. Uh Oh yeah. I, I said, I almost like in a, you oh. know, we understood I know it's an understood I, there's no understood we, but in this case, I, I thought the we was understood. Okay. No, specifically they're, they're looking for damages and your dog hair. <laughs> and I said, well, you're in luck. There's plenty of that. So yeah. Damages must've said something about somebody on our podcast. Somebody say something about cease and desist. <laughs> my God. Oh Lord. You know, here's the deal though. I was told a long time ago, Hey, you aren't really successful until somebody's suing your ass. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's not the first time I've been saying it won't be the last. Mm. Well, I would agree with you. I've, I've had that problem before too. Yeah. I heard that you were once sued for impersonating a wrestling commentator, <laughs> but I'm you were found not guilty. It's fine. Conrad Thompson, Brandy Rose, man, and Bob Eaton. 
they can do it. Can't they now Paul old school Southern wrestling. And then in comes Paul Heyman. All right. Uh, if you had to hang out night on the town, dinner, drinks, shenanigans, would you do it with Paul Heyman or Jim Cornette? Mm. Um, probably with Paul Heyman. All right. Why'd you say that? Because Jim Cornette is, is the type of guy that you say, Jim, you want to hang out and he'll say, yeah, I'll get some pizzas and we'll watch old wrestling videos. But you like that. Like that's your kind of hanging out. You don't really want to go drink yeah, and be merry party bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's probably true. So yeah, probably Jim Cornette and I would get along. You know, Bruce Pritchard has a theory that Jim Cornette and Paul Heyman are the same person. They were just born on different sides of the Mason Dixon line. Wow. I said, you that, know, once from New York, that's very insightful South, but really mm-hmm. they're the fucking same. Yeah. Well, think about managers who gave great promos, probably the two best right there. Don't you think? Well, th- yeah, I think his point is they're both very opinionated about wrestling. They both believe very strongly. They both have some interesting little quirks to their character. Um, I buy it, you know, he yep. sold me on it. I could see it. I mean, I don't know him well enough to, to speak on it, but you do where well, they both ran wrestling companies, right? Right. And, you know, I was at NWA 70 recently and, uh, I had a great time, uh, reconnecting with Jim Cornette. And I remember when we had our big production meeting, Jim Cornette was very opinionated about, you know, here's an idea. Here's the way I think things should work. Uh, and I was thinking, wow, wow, Jim still got it as far as, you know, thinking what works and what doesn't in wrestling. You know, I have opinions of what I think works and what I think doesn't in wrestling, but I just won't sit there and say anything unless you ask me, but Jim Cornette will offer his opinions. And so that was, that was good to see. And of course, Paul Lee running ECW and I mean, Hey, let's do others. Let's think about this. You know, I, I've said many times that the uh, the concept that was ECW has stood the test of time more than grab a side headlock and work on the mat. They grab a table, grab a uh, kendo stick, if you will, or grab a chair, hit somebody with it. You see a lot more, a uh, lot more of that than you do than. The old style wrestling that we're really going to see with Steamboat and Flair here coming up. Jimmy doing a great job of that desperate tag. And they were the baby faces here. Stan could do a lot of good stuff too, man. You know, they're doing uh, shows together again. I mean, they're not wrestling, of course, but Jim has managed to put together. Dennis Condry, Stan Lane, uh, Bobby Eaton and himself. And Dennis has not made a lot of appearances in recent years. Apparently he's had some real health issues, but he's back out making them. And, uh, I think they're going to do uh, a few shots, including a return to, uh, the university Hilton in Charlotte, where I first discovered the greatness of the real life, Tony Schiavone, not the TV dad we all grew up with. But apparently that's all happening in August. 
in August they're going to do a, another NWA convention. Is that what you're saying? Did I hear that right? Yeah, but I think it's uh, from a different guy now. I, I don't think it's the same promoter as before. All right. I think he calls himself T-Mart Promotions or something like that, and they're okay. calling it like the Gathering, and it's in like mid-August. But I think it's at the same old hotel and the whole deal. Wow. I, I know uh, they've advertised like Missy Hyatt and Barry Windham. And, uh, I think Harley race is being promoted and very cool. Ricky steamboat. I'm going. Hmm. See, I wish I'd have known about it. I would have gotten that time off. Randy rose up top. Here he goes. You got to take off August 15th through August 18th that far in advance. Wow. Just trying to be professional. I mean, so you, you got to schedule time off seven months ahead of time. Wow. Yeah. Just trying to be professional. I mean, don't get me wrong. We weren't invited or anything. I'm just plugging no, I, somebody else's thing. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, if I got a chance to hang out with Conrad Thompson somewhere, why not? I think, uh, one of your favorites will be there. I think they're promoting uh Scarlet. Really? Yeah. I know you're a big fan. Yeah. And mm. I think one of your other favorites, uh, Colonel Robert Parker. Really? Be there. <laughs> and one of my close personal friends, Buff Bagwell. Wow. Well, that's worth the price of admission. Jack victory. Who's in this match. He'll be there. Having Buff Bagwell and Conrad Thompson in the same venue at the same time would be worth the price of admission. Do you do realize I, I, I need to, I need to explain, I need to explain something to you now. Okay. okay. All right. When you first, uh, saw the, uh, the Tony Schiavone that, you know, now, All right. Okay. was what year. Do you remember what year that was? 2014. Okay. Conrad Thompson in 2014 could go to a convention like that and be very behind the scenes, but there ain't no way fella that you're going to walk in a convention right now. As just a regular fan sitting down Shut and watching. The fuck up. You're I'm... not, Conrad. You're not. You are not. You are going to draw attention to yourself. Not 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 because you want to, or not because you're going to try to, but because of who you are now. It's it's different now for you. It is. It's different now for you. You walk in there, somebody's gonna say, Hey, that's the Forrest Gumper wrestling. That's right. I'm getting it over. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know what though? It's like uh as soon as I said that, people online started saying, life's like a box of blue chew. You never know how hard your dick's going to get. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it's, it's changed for you. So oh, if you hey, think, do you, if you think, think, do you think we could do a special on Patreon where we get everybody to go support blue chew? Cause you know, they don't have commercials over there, but we could still tell them, Hey, everybody go get your blue chew here. And then during your next Q and a, we'll do a little video chat thing. And you, you guys can all show Tony how it's working. No, 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 no. Are we not going to sell out our advertisers on this show? Are you ashamed of blue chew? No, I'm not ashamed of blue chew, but I don't want to see your dick. Not mine. Anybody slims. No, I don't want to see this. Okay. Just tell me about it. I'll believe you. Just tell me about it. We okay. Gotta... Well, that's cool. Here's the deal. He doesn't want to see pictures. Just give him a play by play. No, it's just tell at... me. Just say it worked. 
I love blue chew. It worked. It changed my life. It changed my relationship. No, no, no. Send him the whole diatribe at Tony Schiavone 24 on Twitter. We need the feedback, man. Like, you know, I know that what's his name? Uh, Bruce Pritchard. He sometimes talks about Johnny Ace. Oh, here we go. We're getting to the main event here now. Yeah. Jim Cornette just slapped the taste out of Paul Heyman's mouth. Mm. Oh, he took a little bump there. Let me tell you what I love. One of the things I love most about wrestling is when they do things in threes. So it's okay. one punch, two punch, three punches, then he goes down. Right. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I never did think about that. Like even the Hulk Hogan comeback, it was yeah. always One. block a punch, wag uh-huh. your finger at him. Yeah. One punch, two punch, three punch into the ropes, big right. boot, leg drop. But like even Cornette there, it's like unspoken. They didn't have to lay all that out. I'm going to, when he punches him the first time, but then doesn't let go. He knows two more are coming. Right. He's not going to bump after the second one. And he's not going to no sell the third one waiting for a fourth. Everybody knows on the third one, get your ass down there. And there he is right up top. No, Randy Rose misses. Stan makes the cover. Two. Oh, I thought that was it. I thought it was too. Cause I think if I'm right, Randy Rose, the one that has to leave here. Cause whoever gets pinned goes is going to be gone. <laughs> Paulie. <laughs> I like when Paulie tries to make Stan Lane seem like he's much bigger. So he jumps on his back and picks his legs up <laughs> when really they're probably the same height. Right. <laughs> uh, widen out here. But by the fans, uh, by the way, the fans in that spotlight in the back, they're not having a good time at all. Seemingly. Well, they're watching a Jack victory match and they're expecting Dennis Condry. No disrespect to Jack victory, but it's not yeah. the same. No, I guess it's like they're watching some sort of drama movie. Oh, there it is. Here comes one, two, three. There it is. I mean, I have great reaction from the fans. Is it weird of me that sometimes I look at Stan Lane, like through the face and hair. And I think that's like a, a shrunken Lex Luger. <laughs> well, the hair is very, very <laughs> well, there you go. There is some, <clears throat> without question. Little baby Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. So there it is. Midnight express. Was that someone's kid walking or just a small person? Did you see that? Oh my God. See now the nature boy, Ric Flair with hero Matsuda. What's he saying here with Bob Cottle holding the stick for him? Take us there. Yeah. They, they thought I would never live to I was age 70, but I want to say that I fucked enough women. I've drunk enough clear ones and I have gone up and down the road. And I will live past age 70. If it has to be zombie Ric Flair, it'll be zombie Ric Flair. I'll be there for as long as I want to be there because I am the nature boy. And you know what? They talk about bad decisions in life. Well, here's one person who's made a bad decision in life. My daughter, Megan, she married Forrest Gump. Forrest fucking Gump. Can you believe that? Here I am, the nature boy. Rolex watches. Diamond rings, limousines, and she married Forrest Gump from Huntsville, Alabama. Hero Matsuda, come in here. Don't say anything. I don't want to fuck up this interview. I'm the nature boy, Ric Flair. Me and Ricky's team, have had the greatest matches in the world. But the only thing I got in my mind right now is my 
daughter married to Forrest Gump. What in the fuck is going on with my life right now? Because like it or you don't like it, learn to live with it. Because it's the best thing Alabama's got going today. <laughs> One more thing I'd like to say. On my 70th birthday, I'm showing them all the baby's arm. Aren't I, hero? Don't say anything at all. Just stand there and look dumb. Woo! That's the nature boy, Ric Flair. He's going to show the gimmick. Back to the ring. And here it is for the world television title. What did you think about Mike Rotundo as a wrestler? Uh, I thought his wrestling was fine, but you know, yeah. I, I preferred him and I know a lot of old school fans are going to hate this. I greatly preferred the IRS character. Yeah. I, I, I think we're saying that he was better when he had a gimmick than just Mike Rotundo, great amateur wrestler, Syracuse, New York type thing. Yeah. Never was that good at a promo, but when he had the character, he was good. But I'll tell you what, he, uh, he had two kids that can do promos. Yes, he did. Absolutely. It's funny when he, it's not funny, but it's odd for me to see guys whose, you know, fathers were, were good wrestlers in the ring and see him wrestle. Now it just, it just, well, it tells you how quickly time goes by, but it's just odd. I just think it's very odd. You'll find out who's that. Who's that at ringside? Oh, it's Scotty. God, you know what? From the, from the, from the rear, I I wasn't sure if that was like Tom Brandy or Tom Zink or what rocking that, uh, that mullet he had on. And that's big Papa pump at ringside. What did you think the upside was for Rick Steiner here? The upside? Yeah. To, uh, to be involved in this? What's his ceiling? And w- w- let's go back and get in your way back machine. 1989. Yeah. He's challenging for the television title. Right. What did you think his ceiling was? Television title. Oh, really? You didn't, you didn't see him as a U.S. champ or a world champ or anything like that? No, not really. Okay. And it's, it's not to have anything to do with his abilities, but again, he, <laughs> the, fuck? the, uh, the goofy gimmick, you know, can't talk kind of eccentric, you know, type, uh, I, I, I just didn't know if it worked in a, in a main event setting. I guess that's worth mentioning here that a lot of people probably assume that uh, the Steiner brothers are already a thing, but it wasn't until 1989 right. where that Scott actually started accompanying him to the ring and eventually it became a tag team. So he's just really been working, you know, without Scott so far, but Scott on the outside there is of course going to lead to them being a tag team and Steiner brothers were born and nobody could have predicted the success they would have. I don't think. Right. And, and it wasn't until Scotty got involved that Rick really became I really think a top star. And I, I've said this, uh, I think I've said this before on this podcast that, you know, as 
if, if you take all the guys who are in this event and you say, okay, guys, we're going to put you out in the ring and everything is going to be real. Who are the two guys you think they could win, could beat everybody up? It would be Rick Steiner and it would be Dr. Death Steve Williams. Rick Flair said he would always tell Steiner, look at this, set the fuck down. Uh, Rick Flair always said to Rick Steiner, he said, you know, you're my hero because Rick always knew that Rick Steiner, Rick Flair always knew that Rick Steiner in a shoot could beat the fuck out of anybody. And I've said many times that any guy who has been a great amateur wrestler, fuck, they could snatch you. They could get you to submit, you know, they, they're do they do on the WWF. They do a lot of tap outs now, you know, AJ styles does the calf crusher and Ronda Rousey does the arm bar and they do a lot of tapping out. If he wanted to, Rick Steiner can make a lot of people tap out. Could have back then or go out. See that side headlock? I do. Yeah. Now they're probably going to shoot, uh, uh, Rotunda is going to shoot him into the ropes maybe to try to break the side headlock right here. Okay. And he breaks it in reality. If Rick Steiner didn't want to break the side headlock, you could shoot him in the ropes all you want. And he ain't going to break that side headlock. And that's just the, and now he's looking up in the air and seeing things. So, so that's what I'm saying. I, I think the ceiling was lowered because of the gimmick that he had at that time. Once Scotty got aboard, you know, Scotty did most of the talking for him and Rick, only thing Rick had to do was bark, but he's a tough son of a bitch, man. God almighty. I need to look him up. I can get you his number. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Send it to me. Cause I, I want to get in touch with him because I've, you know, I've, I've reconnected with Scotty and, uh, it was great seeing Scott, man. Uh, and we've had a lot of fun with him here on the podcast, but in reality, he's, he's, uh, he's he good. and Rick, just great guys. And I know Rick lives really close to me and I think Rick's son plays college football for Kennesaw state. Check your phone, kind sir. Okay. I sure will. Send you his phone number. If you need his email, I can get you that too. Yeah. But okay. I know you're more of a phone guy than an email guy. Yeah. God, is that uh, Eric Watts at ringside? <laughs> that well, looked like it for a moment. That's where he belongs. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What's your favorite Eric Watts match, motherfucker? Uh, I can't, uh, I can't, I don't remember one. Yeah. Nobody else does either. Okay. So, Hey, you know what? Come on now. Eric was a good guy. We're making jokes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Last well, week I don't want to get sued. Fuck. Well, maybe you should you stop. Just don't know. I mean, hell, I don't know what I can say now. Well, let, said, let, I, let, me, let me just say that maybe you shouldn't talk about wanting to smell people's fingers. I know. I've never done that. Last week. You used to, when we were talking about, uh, or it was two weeks ago, uh, you were talking about Stacy Keebler and how the next time you saw David Flair, you wanted to smell his fingers. David Flair suing us. No, just being funny. Uh, okay. Oh, I, 
I know where David Flair lives. Okay. So he better, he better not, you know, say anything to me. You don't know where David Flair lives. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. And I, You don't know where David Flair lives. Okay. And look at this. Whoa. What town does David Flair live in? I am not going to say that. What letter does it start with? S. Oh shit. You know. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> have you been to his house before? Uh, no, but he and I have, uh, have oh. conversed. Oh, I see. Yeah. You're making your way around the Flair family again. <laughs> Wait a minute. Stop. Stop the presses making your way around the flair family again. Well, I'm just, what saying. is this again about what are you talking? What, what, what's going on here? You went a long time without talking to Rick. And then all of a sudden you saw Ashley and then yeah. you got so comfortable with me and you don't even come to her goddamn wedding. Oh boy. And now, now you're just going what? on fishing trips with Dave D- digging that shit out again, man. Come to her goddamn with dig that shit out of fucking gan. Do you realize that once a week it comes up? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I do now. No, I'm saying seriously, Megan cries herself to sleep sometimes. Uh, does she really? Yeah. Is it because not, she not about you, you or because, because I didn't come to her wedding? Fuck, you're stepping on my jokes. God damn it. Yes. Cause she <laughs> married me. Okay. And well, really she, she was okay with marrying me, but she didn't realize it meant that I would have to be, um, three doors down from the kitchen, yelling nine hours a week for these podcasts. And then Cassio kid would just come over whenever he wanted and just walk in, just walk in. Yeah. Hey guys. Mm. Cassio's kids kind of like that guy in the movie, the burbs where the guys, they're just sitting, the neighbors just walk in. You know and I just realized oh. when Cassio does his, his voice real high, it's like yeah. his version of, of Ron Funches. <laughs> Who was our, our buddy that said to his, his laugh sounds like an e- an eagle in heat. I don't know, but that's a great description. <laughs> why, why haven't we had Cassio on for an episode recently? Uh, it's up to you, man. He's, he's your buddy. Yeah. He oh, I know why big booty Judy's back in town. Oh, okay. you remember there for a while. He was looking for something to do because she was working out of town a lot, but now she's back. So he's, uh, he's exercising. Okay. Um, so- but yeah, I don't know if you saw, I guess, since he's not allowed to leave the house, uh, uh-huh. he's starting a podcast. What? Yeah. Are you doing it with him? No. Uh, that's a long pause before you said no there. No, I was like, cause it's, he's, it's like an interview deal. He interviews a different person every week. And so he's asked me if I would do it and you know, like be a guest one week. And I said, yeah. And he asked you if you would do it and you said, no. Uh, see what, you know, you know what, can I, can I be brutally honest here about that request? Yeah. Okay. Here's my brutally honest response to that. You're a lying motherfucker is what I'm my brutally honest response is hey. motherfucker. You're a brutally honest, uh, lying motherfucker. I mean, he's said, that's what he said. Okay. Well, he's your best friend, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, you fucking have taught him how to lie. All right. Here's the deal. Okay. Robert Simon 970 on Twitter mm-hmm. even said, do a watch along with at Tony Schiavone 24. This is on February 13th. Yeah. And Cassio quotes it and says, he's already turned me down once. Really? Yeah. 
So I don't know why you're mad at me that you turned down Casio. Okay. Well, you know what? That month, boy. Let's just get to the bottom of it. I'll get to the bottom of it. Lying piece of shit. Anyway, hey, pretty good. Uh, uh, fundamentally, uh, we're calling him up. Mm-hmm. I'm getting big dog by Cassie. Yeah, yeah. Judy, Judy's not letting him answer the phone. Well, she's running a fucking tight ship over there. She is, man. Do you think he has a voicemail set up? No. I don't think so either. Three, two. Oh, okay. We'll let that go. All right. So, yeah, I guess it's a mystery. But if you'd like to follow Cassio's podcast, it's at Cassio's Cut. I'm sure some of you are relieved he's not on this week. Well, now you know what not to go looking for in your podcast app. But maybe if you need a little more Cassio in your life, maybe you like the way Eagles and Heat sound. Uh, go look for at Cassio's cut. That's C A S I O S C U T on Twitter machine. And he's already got one in the can with, uh, some of our close personal friends like Corey Ryan Forrester, who you had the privilege of hanging out with a few weeks ago. Right. I think Corey's the one that came up with Eagles and Eagle and heat. Yeah. That sounds like something he would say. Yeah. What do you think about the old school? Uh, I love the old school guardrail. Yeah. Now it's not as useful, right? Cause I don't think you can like throw people into it. No, but it is old school. But then again, I like, I even like this set. I like where everything's sort of multicolor, you know, you've got, uh, a, re- a set of red turnbuckles, a set of blue turnbuckles, two sets of white ones. And the ropes being blue, white, and yellow. And I know you like it just because the canvas is a lighter color. Yes, I do. And notice also that the, that the, and we're talking about, this is the, uh, this is the first year really of, of Turner owning the company, right? But the focus is NWA. The, the ring skirt is NWA ring skirt, not WCW ring skirt. I thought it was very interesting. That you would think that if they are going to change it to WCW, they would have it in place. But no, it was Turner Broadcasting back then. Well, I think a lot of that is because they're still defending the NWA world title, right? Yeah. Is that a dog barking or Kevin Sullivan talking? It's Kevin Sullivan talking. Okay. I wasn't sure. You sure? It's still barking and Kevin's still on camera here. Well, I think our, our sink is off. Uh, looking at my cameras, it looks like someone's at uh, my front door. Oh, but they're just going to have to wait unless it's Cassio or maybe it's Judy grabbing Cassio by the short hairs and dragging him in. It's definitely not Cassio. Okay. Oh, it's a refrigerator repairman. Oh, my butler, my my butler will take care of it. Why don't you just buy a new one? Why do you, why do you have a repairman? Well, because I've got a built in, you know, so I can't just like slide it out and slide it in. Did you open the refrigerator and puke in it? No, the, bo- so, just, the bottom so buy, drawer. Just buy a new one, okay? The bottom drawer of the Sub-Zero mm-hmm. is, like, not working. The light doesn't come on, and it's got an error code. So they yeah. came out yesterday, and he thought he fixed it. Apparently, he didn't, so he's back here today to fix it. A new one, you wouldn't have had to worry about it. Well, you know what? If we could just get you to uh, mm-hmm. take off work from mm-hmm. calling baseball or basketball 
and go mm-hmm. make some shots. I can do more live shows and I can afford a refrigerator that works. <laughs> Cause as you can tell, you know, mine doesn't work. Have you seen how skinny I am? I'm just, I'm wasting away. I'm so sorry that I've brought, uh, brought down your, your year financially. You've wow. ruined. How are you going to survive? Huh? Your Butler will only be able to work six days a week instead of seven. He's okay. not here seven days a week. First of all, okay. That's just his last name. Butler. Everybody asks me, do you ever really have a Butler? No. Hey, I know a Butler. Kevin Butler. I see listening to the show right now. Yeah. I don't know if he is or not. Oh, okay. Do I need to be nice to him? Uh, no, not Wait, at all. Is this who I think it is? Yeah. Oh, then I like him. Yeah. The, uh, former Chicago bear kicker. No, maybe I don't, maybe I don't like him. The former Georgia bulldog kicker. He was, he was with the bears and they won the, uh, super bowl. He was their kicker hall of famer, college hall of famer. Uh, good guy. You'll like him a lot, but he's my Butler. Is that it? Mike Rotunda wins it. That's it. That's a pretty cool finish. Cause Steiner thinks that, uh, Steiner thinks he put him out with a sleeper or, and, but he got pinned. What do you think of, um, pretty cool. That television title black strap on the front, red backing five plater nickel. Yeah. You like that. Don't you? I do like it. I like the red one better. Yeah. I, I like the red one better too, but I like it black with the, with the red backing too. Yeah. That's one of the belts I've been chasing forever. I couldn't find the real original red one. Let me, oh, here we go. Hawk, Paul Ellering, Bob Cottle and dumbass. Well, we're <laughs> go ahead. No, I can't. I got Brian guy. Let's go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm standing next to a dumbass. Not you, Bob Cottle, but the guy to my left. That's right. He paints his face green. That's right, Bob Cottle. Uh, I would, uh, I can't put two, uh, uh, I'm trying to put two words together. Hawk, help me out here. Give me a word. Give me a word. It starts with a, a B. Yes. We're going to beat somebody up and we're going to take the, give me another word to start to the B there. Hawk belts. We're going to, oh, we got the belts. Can't say that. Uh, let's see. Tell them, Paul. Whew. Glad I was able to bail that dumbass out because as you know, we are the road warriors. This is dumbass. I got my paper on. This is Hawk. Yeah. And we're pointing at you, man. I've got. The Wall Street Journal here. You know what that means? I'm making a lot of money based on these guys. That's exactly right. All right, there they are. Hawk, Paul Ellering, and dumbass. Let's go to the ring. What, what's your hate with the, with uh, Red War Animal? Wow. I love Animal. I love him, and I just love to give him shit. He's one of the. You know, he is. He's a big old teddy bear, and that's what that's what I love about him, because he was such a badass. He really was, wasn't he? I mean, they, was, they, was, they were badass motherfuckers, but in real life, they were the sweetest guys in the world. And I just love giving him shit. If he was genuinely a badass, I wouldn't give him shit. <laughs> I'd run from him. But he's not. And uh, I, got to, I guess uh, he does a podcast with our buddy Joe. Uh, yeah, Joe Roderick. Good dude. Yeah. 
Right. I, I got to meet Joe at the, uh, recently at the, uh, Super Bowl, uh, uh, radio row. He set up four interviews for me. Uh, did a great job for us. And, uh, Joe is a good dude. Lex Luger and Barry Windham as a kid, I would have thought this was going to be one incredible match a little later in life. I realized that Windham was the worker, not the guy that I liked Lex Luger, but what a cool spot that was. Mm-hmm. It's weird as a kid. I used to really like when guys would, you know, no sell a move. <laughs> and now as an adult, you know, everybody's like, God damn it. Sell. But you know, as a kid, I was like, oh, he's a badass. Look, it didn't even phase him. Well, you know who the, uh, uh, you know, who that is Eddie Einhorn owner of the Chicago white Sox. He's probably trying to figure out what the fuck he's watching. He was a big wrestling fan, friend of Gary Jester's, and that's why Eddie was there. Uh, now we, uh, you know, who started that no sell stuff, don't you? No, Road Warriors did. They made it fashionable. They were big and they were powerful and they no no sold shit. And then it kind of caught on. And I mean, if you go back and think about it, maybe the Road Warriors changed the business in many ways because you always sold shit. Always. Even the big, strong guys sold shit, you know, even superstar Billy Graham back in the day sold things. Look at, oh, that's pretty good clothesline, man. Meltzer liked him. Meltzer, boy, he really, that was a hell of a clothesline by Luger. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Uh, and well, again, it takes two. I mean, Barry took a hell of a bump for that, but man, Luger not known for his clothesline. He kind of like a lot of times when he would do a clothesline, it was almost like it ended up being like a forearm shot top of the head. What's it going to take to get you to throw some lariats? Throw some what? Some lariats. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm going, I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm I, look, look. I'm busting balls. God, you're so sensitive today. <laughs> this is Ric Flair. And you know who Ric Flair is? He's yes. a father-in-law of Forrest Gump. Oh my God. That, that's a big fucking deal. Big fucking deal. No, I think it's a bigger deal that he used to uh, take you out and get you laid. <laughs> Whoa. Stop the fucking presses there. Road warrior animal. You lying piece of shit. I wasn't there, but everybody else yep. has told me about all those trips you guys would make to Vegas and. Of course, when I asked JJ about it, he would talk about the Caesar salad, hmm. which I always thought was interesting. Hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean? In Las Vegas, you never heard of it? What, the Caesar salad? I know. Is that where they invented it? At Caesar's Palace? No, it was just, that's like any time I've ever brought up Las Vegas and Rick Flair to JJ Dillon, he talks about what a spread Rick ordered. And he's like, no. you know, it was steaks and lobsters and caviar and Caesar yeah. salad. But the yeah. way he works in Caesar salad every time makes me laugh. Mm. Never heard that story. Well, he'd be glad to tell you about it at Starcast. Yeah, good. There's uh there's been uh, bad rumors started about me. Uh what, what what are the rumors? Just tell everybody so you can clear it up. Well no, I just uh 
Ooh, Luger. Little hard way there, maybe. He wasn't known to juice. But that right eye looks a little bloody. Watch this. Whoa. We didn't talk about this, but do you think that's why she went to the hospital? Do you think Flair knocked something loose? <laughs> Could have. <clears throat> why are you laughing? Just your terminology. What did I say? <laughs> knock something loose. Uh, Hey. Watch out, he's gonna duck. I saw that coming. Oh, I gotta tell you this. Uh I got a text the other day that said, Hey, what are we doing on March fifteenth and sixteenth? I think that's the date, she said. Oh my god. And I said, uh Well, you can do whatever you would like, mm-hmm. but I can't leave. Hmm. And she said, Why? And I said, well, we've got like a few dozen slap dicks coming over. Mm-hmm. I think I forgot to tell her. <laughs> Whoa. Huh. Do I need to run interference here? No. I mean, listen, we've got everything lined up and it's going to be at HODL. Mm-hmm. As we talked about last week, where it's registered under mm-hmm. my name as yeah. the low key big hog get together. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think it's tremendous. It's awful. It should have been under your name, (laughs) but it's under my name. Well, I'm I'm not, I'm not from Huntsville. You know, I know that's the issue for me because now people think I'm flying in so many dudes to see their low key Mm -hmm. big hogs that I needed a block of hotel rooms. Uh, Look, well, listen, you know, you, you may say, people think I'm the Forrest Gump of wrestling. I'm the second most famous son-in-law in wrestling. No. You are the chief low-key big hog. Okay. That's what you are now. Okay, that's what you are. So embrace it. The, the second most famous son-in-law is mm-hmm. a joke on um, Bruce's podcast. Oh, oh, I can't use that? No, no, well, no. no, no. That? Okay. Shut the fuck up. What I'm explaining is he told okay. a story about riding uh, up and down the roads with Dusty Rhodes for a loop. And Dusty would constantly refer to himself as the second most recognizable athlete in the world today, second oh. only to Muhammad Ali. Right. Okay. And so he get they get pulled over by the cops, and the uh, Bruce is driving, and the cop says, "Are you brother Love?" And Bruce laughs and acknowledges it, and blah blah blah, and then he shines the light over to Dusty and says, "Are you a wrestler too?" <laughs> and when they pull away, Bruce, of course, in his Dusty impression, turns to Dusty and says, second most recognizable athlete in the world today. And so that ha- that became when Bruce one day said on the show, you are the second most recognizable son-in-law in the world today or something. So it's a funny ha-ha, but it's a reference to Dusty. I don't actually refer to myself as that. Yeah, that that's a great story, man. Wow, that is a great. Yeah, it's the story. number one podcast in the genre, and it drops Fridays at noon at something dot com. Do you guys uh, ever promote my podcast on that one? 
Yeah, we've had you do a run-in. You were our first guest. We had you do a run-in three years ago. Well, I mean, to launch the show in the the first show set records. Okay. Do you, do you set, uh, you ever still mention, Hey, by the way, Tony's still got a podcast over there all the time. I even opened the show once where I said, what happened when with Tony Shivana and Bruce says, no, you're not. You're doing too many of these. I'm Bruce Pritchard. Remember? (laughs) That's funny right there. But you would know uh, that if you would fucking listen. Mm-hmm. I'll fucking listen. Who's who's out here with uh, who's the manager at ringside here? Is it look at my fucking Luger's got some serious color here. Is this Hiro Matsuda out again? Yeah, he's the manager of the Horseman. He's the new uh, JJ Dillon. Got it. Uh, which I was kind it. of a weird time because he's also managing Butch Reed, which I guess mm. makes him like an unofficial. I got it. And JJ had left right before me. And so JJ was just over at the, watch out, Barry, get on up there. Uh, how cool would it have been if Rick would have left and been the surprise on the brother love show at SummerSlam 88. Mm. And then you had Arn Tully, JJ flair. And at one point, of course, as you know, Barry was there. You could have had all the horsemen there. Mm -hmm. There's actually a fun photoshop out there of that group except instead of jj there they're all with bobby heenan Mm. what a group here's something uh is that kevin sullivan or is that a dog (laughs) oh that might be our new go-to okay whenever your dogs make noise or my dogs make noise we just say it's kevin sullivan it's kevin sullivan you got They're probably the same height in fairness Does your, That's does, your, funny does, right your there. does your dog have a number on the socks? <laughs> what do you think about this Jackie Bradley Jr.? Guy can really play. And there you go. You new United States champion, Lex Luger. Crowd goes wild. Polite clapping from Dave Meltzer. And he's setting up a pile driver on the belt. Barry oh. Windham, not happy. And Dave loves that. Yeah. He fuck Lex Luger. That. Fuck Lex Luger. Give him a pile driver on his head. By the way, uh, Lex Luger not coming to Starcast this year. Previously occupied. But Barry Windham's there. God damn. God, I can't, I can't wait to see Barry. I know Barry's health hasn't been that good. Uh, but uh, I really look forward to seeing him. You know what? That That's... I really love seeing the fan. Uh, this is uh, this is a very very difficult interview. I watched this back, and this is why Mike was much better as a gimmick like IRS than he was Mike Rotunda because he even called this the World Heavyweight Title, and then he World Television Heavyweight. It is it is arguably the worst interview ever. <laughs> really? You don't think? I mean, it's on the uh, list. It, yeah, the champion was. And on this night, Steiner, I got my belt back that you stole from me. And you better stay out of my face, Steiner, because the party's over for you. The world television title stays around my waist for as long as I want it to, Steiner. And that's going to be a long, long time, my friend. The world television champion, Mike Rotunda fans. And of course, what we played wasn't actually that bad. Mm. After we took turns shitting on him. (laughs) Well, you know. He dug it out of the shit by throwing out cliches. That's always the thing. And uh, 
<clears throat> can I uh, uh, give you a little bit of my uh, my wrestling knowledge here, or lack thereof? Yeah. When I when 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 young guys talk to me, and I you know I've been doing some work with MLW, and I've I was backstage NWA seventy, and there have been a number of young guys who have asked me about doing interviews. Then they say, you know, you did a lot of interviews with Flair, and you were there with Cornette and Arn Anderson and Piper and some of the great ones. Any wisdom you can impart on me about doing interviews? And I said, well, first of all, I never did interviews. I just kind of held the microphone to guys who were multi-talented. And, but I do tell them this, and I really believe that this is very, very important. They think about what they're going to say, and I get it, and they think about their opponent, and I get it, but they never think about how they're going to end it up. And if you don't have a good ending for your promo, if you don't know where you're going to go to, how you're going to say to finish it, a lot of times you just start talking in circles. And when you start talking in fucking circles, that's when you get fucking lost, and that's when it turns to shit. So there. Know exactly the great guys knew how to end it. Flair we used to go, woo. And Dusty Rhodes would uh, knew how to end his promos. So there. So there it is. Uh, and all you uh, young wrestlers out there, uh, that's some free advice. Work backwards. You know, it's just like with anything else, any sort of sales goal or any sort of goal you have, our goal for the podcast. I mean, I knew uh, that's the plan I laid out for you in that email. Hey, here's where we're going to wind up. And now let me explain how we're going to get there. And that's the way a, pro- a promo. Any, I mean, a promo is to sell something, it's a sales pitch. So the end has got to be the close. Like you've got to ask for the money. And uh, yeah, figure out what your close is and then work backwards. Very good. Couple real tough guys here, man. Ah, oh, missed my cake, Shran. He's the type of guy, buddy, that you could say, he's my friend. Don't fuck with me type deal. Who's de- Let me ask you this. Uh, just take it away completely from this match. Who is Melcher's buddy here with the... Uh, with the shiny blue coat on. My God. Did he want to stand out at ringside or what? Uh, isn't it Brad Muster? <laughs> I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> it might be. I Man, I thought it was. I thought that was who it was. Isn't that his buddy at the game? Yeah. He may be right. Dr. Death, buddy. And this is back when uh, Dr. Death and uh, I guess Rotundo and they're starting the varsity club, right? About this time? Or they've had the varsity club? I'm not so sure. <laughs> Just walked up and kicked his ass. That was pretty fucking cool. Oh, God. So now we have a new television champion, right? We do. And a new uh, U.S. champion. We do. Wow, titles are dropping right and left here. Do you think that means we're going to have a new world champion? Uh, I do. But I don't think the Road Warriors are going to drop the the tag team straps in their hometown of Chicago. 
Kevin hitting. Peanut head kind of running things here. Oh, I was a disqualification right in front of Dave Meltzer. Meltzer should write about this. Well, they disqualified <clears throat> disqualified him should have right in front of me. Is Meltzer coming to Starcast? Yeah. Cool. Be good to see him and Brian Alvarez and Kevin Sullivan will be there. Ah, damn. Kevin, and I can get Kevin. And I can sit down for hours and talk baseball. Dr. Death is not going to make it. Yeah. Bless his heart. I know he's not. I know he's not, but Jr. is going to be there. So oh, Oklahoma yeah. will be represented. Hmm. Not so sure. That was a good move from the doc. I liked it. Just jump up and throw your leg up there. Let him run into it. Yeah. <laughs> For a guy like him, I don't know if that's a good move. But anyway, hindsight being what it is. Why are you saying big boys can't throw big legs? Sometimes. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. And in that instance, he couldn't. Are you just want to argue everything with me now? No, I'll just... Sit over here and yeah. shut the fuck up. Just have a good show. <laughs> no, no, no. Call Cassio. Get him on here. No, he didn't answer. Fuck him. Yeah. Did you see the text he sent us? I'm not reading his text messages. I was walking my dogs, whatever the hell y'all are scheming. I'm available now. Fuck it. I'm not talking to him. You do it. Yeah. Talk to him. No. Hey, can I be on your podcast? Hello? 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 Conrad, get back on here. Well, it's not my problem. You guys don't know how to fucking talk to each other. Okay. The hell with him then. Wasn't that good radio? We're not doing radio. You know what I mean, you fucker. Okay. Oh, well, we tried. I'm really pissed off. I hope his podcast is as good as that. (laughs) Cassio's cut. Look for it soon. (laughs) He'll get to it when he's not walking the fucking dogs. Yeah. Wife's home. Why didn't, she, why didn't she walk the dogs? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Hello. 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 Tony Shivani. Hey. Listen. What's up, buddy? Can I be on your podcast? God, I would love for you to be on my podcast. See, you know what? You're a lying turd. What? Uh, Conrad Thompson, who's on here with us said that you had asked me to be on the podcast. And I said, no, <laughs> you, you 100% said, yeah, okay. you, he said you were making a kind gesture and said, I would like to send you some PayPal money. And I said, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. I would rather you be on my podcast. And you said, no fucker, give me your PayPal address. Hmm. Okay, well, then I'm lying. Hey, thanks for being with us. Go walk the fucking dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so are you still going to come on my podcast? Of 
course I'll come on your podcast. How much? <laughs> well, now you're going to be grumpy about it. Okay. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm usually not grumpy, but then when you spend two hours with Conrad, sometime you get grumpy, you know? <laughs> oh, you are two hours deep. Oh yeah. You're, you're pissed. <laughs> you're pissed if you're two hours deep already. Yeah. Hey guys, I love you. I love you too. My best to Judy. You wouldn't even say a word to him, would you? No, fuck him. He's competition now. He's got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. What am I talking? I don't know. He's Why do we put him on here? I mean, you know how many Casio fans out there? At least 30. We may have just lost 30 listeners. <laughs> 30 <laughs> listeners less just because you wanted to do that. And what the <laughs> fuck are you trying to send my, my friends money for? Well, just trying to be nice. What does that even mean? Well, they, they, they say, you know, you know, uh, if you don't have enough friends, Oh, look at that fucked up move. If you don't have enough friends. You might as well just hand out money and buy them. Whoa. Look at all for the top. That's gotta be the finish. One, two, three. Yes, sir. It looked like a five count to me. It was a 3000 count. What a mm-hmm. shit finish. This is the uh, 19th disputed finish so far. They did this exact same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. For the U for every match so far, George Scott at his best. What can I say, man? It's like somebody yeah. needs to pop him out, cl- blow the air in the cartridge and stick him back in. He's stuck. Oh, shit. Holy shit. Lex, are you going to draw me a line with your fan? Or are you just too upset? What do you think Lex is saying here about not making an appearance at Starcast? Uh, Starcast, uh, it was first one was in Chicago, which is my hometown. Not really my hometown is Buffalo, Bob, uh, Buffalo, Bob. <laughs> that sounds like a wrestler gimmick. Uh, but, uh, I am the U S heavyweight champion. And, uh, if I had my druthers to come to Starcast, I would come to Starcast. But, uh, I have a couple of things I've got to do. I've got to go down the university of Miami where I went to, uh, college and try to resurrect that football program. That's total package. Lex Luger. Her. Do me a her. I'm going to send you not two, but three bottles of my vein of mustard. That's what I'm going to do. Her. Send you a couple of, uh, of the, uh, Chipotle, uh, ketchup and going to send you some JR's barbecue sauce. Have you ever had any of that Conrad? I have. It's good stuff. You damn right. It's good stuff. It's not, it's not what I grew up on. And I think everybody's sort of partial to what they grew up on, but right behind what I grew up on, uh, it's my favorite barbecue sauce. And I'm not just saying that cause I shit on everything on this show, but I, you do. no, yeah. I, I really like it. And I'm, I'm always super skeptical of jerky, but it's actually pretty damn good too. It didn't last very long at my house. Do you have an Ingles where you live in Alabama? Is no, that I do not. He just ships me stuff. Yeah. Just, just to be uh, a good buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You can get, uh, you can get it at Ingalls in the, in uh, the Atlanta area. <laughs> so how about steamboat and flare here? And you can see this is the uh, studio stuff. So it's got the backdrop over there that we recreated for all your photos. Yeah. Pretty cool little deal here. What the, uh, the Just match the, or the backdrop, the idea that flare and steamboat are doing something not in front of the big crowd, but here for the television audience. 
Right, and it's uh, like tag team matchers. Uh, hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert over there on one side and uh, Barry Windham over on the other. Oh, I thought I froze up for a moment. <laughs> I love this uh, promo okay. here. This is from a Clash of the Champions, and he's going to be talking about how he's got all these pretty little ladies. And, yeah, of course, you don't have that. You got your old boring wife and all these fat truckers here in the audience wish they had a woman like this. And I got five of them, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that mink coat right there, WWE sometimes brings out for uh, access and it's embroidered on the inside and it says R I C K flair. So even when he paid people tens of thousands of dollars for a fucking jacket, they still put a K on his name. And this is one of the more famous skits. I thought they did to really kick this feud off. Uh, Steamboat just going crazy and ripping the blazer right off of Flair, but he's not done. He's going to tear his suit, his his jacket, his pants, his shirt. He's going to get him down to his drawers here. You know, well, Flair loved that. Well, of course he does, but I'm just saying it is. It does fit the character when you're out here saying you've got all these custom-made clothes, blah, 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 and you're sort of being a snobby, you know, rich dick, for lack of a better word. And just sort of shitting on everybody. And then out comes a guy and he tears all those fancy clothes off. That's good stuff. Oh yeah. So the story they're trying to tell is interesting because flair is this flamboyant playboy. Who's, you know, got the big cars and all the ladies and the fancy clothes and the world champion and blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, the other guy is, I mean, the heel is telling us. He's this boring old family man with a wife and a kid. That's going to appeal to a certain section of the audience. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure the women, you know, and a lot of the married dudes feel like they have to cheer for Ricky steamboat, but there's a lot of dudes who were watching who are like, well, fuck that. I want to be like that guy. I mean, Flair's sort of a cool heel here almost accidentally. Well, Rick Flair was always kind of a cool heel. Well, but in, in this case, especially because they've got Bonnie coming out with Ricky Steamboat, you know, the old formula was, you know, you're good looking top baby face. He can't have a good looking chick with him. It'll alienate some female fans. They need to think that they've got a chance and that he can be their man and blah, 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 all that silly old school thinking. But that some of that stuff really worked for a long, long time. And now you've got him coming out, not only as this, you know, badass wrestler, but a good looking dude, but he's got his wife and kid with him. And talking about being a family man and meeting all this other guys naming his junk and giving everybody his hotel room number and talking about his fancy cars and his Rolex. And there's a lot of dudes who are like, well, fuck that. I want to be that guy. Right. And here he is. And one of the more, this is our main event. This is the real reason we're watching this. There's. A half hour or so left in this. It's only a, a 30 minute match or so, but it is one of the better matches of the year. Part one of a trilogy. And we're going to get a big entrance for flair here. He's got a red robe on made by Olivia Walker. One of the more interesting ones because it has short sleeves. Mm. Now there's a long sleeve underneath it, but he never had another robe like this. So it's pretty interesting. It popped up a couple of years ago in the Ric Flair drip video as well. And. I think there was a prototype and maybe an actual figure that was made of him wearing this particular robe, but not seen or used a lot besides a a ruse poster and a couple of promo photos. 
And there's the line of ladies who are at ringside. Hmm. Um, how did he choose the robe? You know, I don't know how he picked for for each time. I think it was just sort of whatever he felt. I think this is his wife, Beth here, handing him some roses. Yeah, that's Beth. Yeah. The second wife, Beth, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, Charlotte Flair's mother going over to the, going over to the corner, acknowledging his great close personal friend, Dave Meltzer, give him a little winky woo. Make sure he gets five stars in this one. (laughs) The little winky woo. All right. I've watched this match. We watched it together on Patreon once, didn't we? Mm Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's one of my I, favorite matches. I can watch it again. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. I love it. Absolutely love it. And I'm looking forward to it. But before this match starts, I have a, I have a serious question. Oh shit. No, I do. It's about this match. Okay. Okay. I love it. You love it. Meltzer loved it. All classic wrestling fans who love the sport. Like we do love it. My question is, and I think it's a serious question. It's not anything to say disparaging about this match. It's maybe saying more disparaging about the wrestling product today. Would this match play? Take out the fact that it's Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair, what we know today. Would this match play today? Yeah, it would be It would be a match that if it was on Raw or SmackDown, everybody would be talking about it for sure. Really, you think so? I do. Now, don't get me wrong. I know what you're saying. Cause there's maybe not enough, uh, acrobatics, but some of the best right. matches that they do, there's not a ton of acrobatics and there's enough aerial stuff in this one from steamboat to make it more modern. I mean, I'm not saying I would compare this to an Okada Omega, but I mean, look at that fast pin. I love the shoulder right. block and immediately going for the pin. It does add a little bit of realism. And this is 10 years before guys would do like chain wrestling and then get up and just pose at each other. And the fans would clap like, Hey, they did chain wrestling. We're supposed to clap now. And that became really in vogue in ECW. I think is the first place I saw it with like Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, where the fans were really smart to it. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, even that right there, I think is fun where instead of doing the, uh, you know, the guy does the drop down and then runs over him. No, let's just drop down and turn it into a. A headlock right there. Right. Trying to get the win quickly again. It's very reminiscent, you know, as many pinning combinations as it goes to. And I think this is underrated and maybe not talked about enough. You know, you go back and you look at Ricky Steamboat's best matches and without question, everybody says they're WrestleMania three and there you go. Brad Muster, right? But they're WrestleMania three and his trilogy with uh, Flair here in 89. But I think part of the magic is. Steamboat has so many false finishes from the minute the bell rings, he's trying to pin you. And so it, as those start to pile up, we're just a couple, I mean, a minute, two minutes into this. And we've already seen two false finishes because steamboats trying to pin him at every chance because he wants to be the world champion. That makes a ton of sense. Yes, it does. You know, and I still go back to, I'm, I'm thinking about, uh, Thanksgiving day of 1981 I was in the stands when Flair and Steamboat were in the cage in the Greensboro Coliseum and they did a 90 minute Broadway in the cage and I'm thinking that's the greatest Flair Steamboat match I've ever seen but this one rivals them because Steamboat did such great 
you know, you said, you know, it brings a little bit of realism. There was everything real about Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. From, from his chops to his facial expressions, to the way he approached it. I mean, it, uh, it, he was one of those guys, you know, we, uh, we, I've always talked about things that Magnum and I talked about as wrestling fans, the hook and the hook was to me, steamboat to him. It was real and you believed him and this son of a bitch, you know, I'm not so sure if that's phony or if that's fake or if that's real or if that's planned. But I know Steamboat, Steamboat fucking, you believed him, man. And just a great story about, you know, Steamboat and had him on uh, our wrestling show uh, on uh, 92.9, the game out of Atlanta. And he had a great interview, had great stories for us. So I look forward to seeing him because he has some wonderful stories. He's so good, man. Yeah. You know, one of the more underrated too, because, you know, when you talk about some of the greatest of all time, I love that by the way, when you try the drop toe hold and it doesn't work and then you have to muscle it in, you never see that. Right. So the story they're trying to tell here in this match is that steamboat is faster and stronger because every time there's a shoulder block flares bumping for him and he just did a little baseball slide between his legs to show how fast he is. So. You know, they're telling a, a fun story here, but what I was saying about steamboat being underrated, and I know it's almost a joke online because I say, oh, Conrad says everybody's underrated, but I think steamboat doesn't get his just due. People talk about, you know, one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time is him and macho man. And then right. they talk about this trilogy of matches is maybe the, you know, the greatest trilogy of matches ever. And of course, people are saying now that's been replaced by Omega and Okada, but still for 30 years, basically it was regarded as being the best, you know, or one of the best trilogies ever. And they talk about macho man. They talk about Ric Flair. I don't think they talk about steamboat as much. And I've got to think some of that is he is, is, uh, uh, well, it's either, I want your opinion. Let me just not have an opinion and ask you, why do you right. think they don't talk about steamboat in the same light? Like, I don't, I, I don't have an answer to that because when they talk about some of the greatest matches they've ever seen, Steamboat's been in many of them. But when yeah. you turn around and ask them, give me your Mount Rushmore great matches, they wouldn't put Steamboat on there, would they? I guess, to me, I wonder, from your perspective, is because his career had so many stops and starts, is it because he was never a heel? Mm, is, I, well, is, it, is it because he wasn't necessarily a strong promo? I mean, a lot, when I say stops and starts and strong promo, I mean, some people who know him say, no, he wasn't ever regarded in that light because, because of Bonnie, they blame Bonnie, whether that's right or wrong. They say that he didn't have the longevity. He didn't have the consistency and her coming, you know, around and being on camera, maybe cost him some momentum and he, he was never able to really be as big of a star as he could have been. Well, I don't, th I don't think it's fair to blame her for that. And I know I'm sure some people do, but I don't think that's fair at all. I think the fact, I think you, you touched on something when the fact is he never was a heel. Well, Sting was never a heel either. Do you think that hurt him? No, I'm not making that to argue. I'm just really, 
you know, the, when I think of a guy who was never a heel though, it's always like sting and Ricky steamboat. And, and I'm not saying that you have to be a heel in order to be one of the all time greats, but when you look at just in ring work, like everybody says, oh, it's, it's Ric Flair and it's Shawn Michaels. If Ricky hadn't taken a break, if Bonnie had never been on TV, if he had an opportunity to be a heel, would they be considered one, a one V one C? That's good. Those are great questions. I mean, I've never seen a Ricky Steamboat match that wasn't good. These guys, you know, flair gets a little hot. If you keep pushing that these 89s are the best that they did, because he says the matches they did in the seventies fucking killed these. They weren't even close. He's but right, they, but they were house show matches. They weren't taped. They're not just readily available it's before the advent of pay-per-view. And he's like, no, the best matches I ever had with steamboat, you know, nobody saw except for the people in the house. Mm-hmm. And by the way, how great was the tease of him? Maybe going to the top rope and jumping on and the entire crowd jumps up Yeah, and it doesn't happen. But if that was to happen on raw or SmackDown, nobody moves. Mm, right. This is just, this is phenomenal. And, and there's the gold belt, which is, it's going to be there, right? The same gold belt. Absolutely. Be at Starcast when they talk about this match and just phenomenal stuff. And, uh, I know where that robe is too. I might get that there. And I have those red tights. Wow. I, I tried to find those green tights for, uh, for steamboat. I just thought that would be cool to frame together to commemorate this match. And you couldn't find them. Nah, couldn't find them. Steamboat didn't have them. He didn't give you a, he had a bunch of other stuff. But he didn't have these, and here's the thing. They're just playing green tights. So I appreciate him saying he didn't have them. Cause it would have been real easy to just get some old fucking green tights. And say, oh, this is them. Yeah. But it would have been a cool little piece to commemorate one of the best matches of all time. It's one of these matches when you watch it and you're what I consider old school. You, you remember why you loved the business. You remember what you loved about it. Steamboat and much like a Ricky Morton was could sell like nobody's business. And here's, what's fun about this match too. All of this is called in the ring. They know the finish and they know how long they're going. And this is before, you know, the referee has an earpiece in. So they're getting time cues, you know, locally there ringside, but They've talked about what the finish is going to be, but outside of that, Flair's just calling it in here. Right. It's the magic of the business that's gone now. They broke down some of this match or this, you know, some of their, their chemistry as opponents and Flair's ESPN documentary and Steamboat has such a great line in there. He said, you know, we were so comfortable with each other that he could just go like this and Flair just, I mean, Steamboat just looks up like up and to the left Mm -hmm. and he says when flair would look up like that steamboat knew exactly what spot that meant and where to go. They were just in tune and they had that type of chemistry. And I think with any duo, you know, whether it's a wide receiver and a quarterback, two professional wrestlers, a pitcher and a catcher, you know, two morning show hosts, a comedy duo, whatever. When you've got that sort of chemistry with somebody where you just know what they're thinking and where they're going next without verbally communicating it. Yeah. You're going to do well. Greatest rivalry of all time. You think? Well, I think, you know, a generation later or a decade later, people would say that it would probably be rock and Austin. 
you know, because they had three matches and they were WrestleMania 15, 17 and 19. Mm-hmm. And I know you weren't watching then, but I was not. Most people would say, you know, because it was your WrestleMania match, you know, every other year. So 15, 17 and 19, that's probably it. But if you're an NWA fan to me, it's this one. And as far as match quality, I don't think there's any comparison. I don't even think rock or Austin would argue that. I mean, rock and Austin were both fine wrestlers, but they were much more character driven. Whereas these guys were, you know, trying to go out here and wrestle 45, 60 minute matches. Interesting here. Flair's trying to call some spots here. Yeah. He wanted him out here and this is what they were looking for. A little more of a hard edge. And you're going to see it right here where he's chopping the shit out of him on the outside. And Flair didn't do this a lot. You know, he didn't go outside and do a lot of this, but that's what he's the story they're trying to tell is, Hey, this guy's too fast and too strong for me. I'm going to have to take it outside. If I'm going to have a shot now, he's not really doing a lot while he's out here, but just the idea that he's out here and they're not doing something in the ring makes it look like Flair's a little desperate to get back in control here. No question. Without question. Flair talking to Tommy here. It's worth mentioning that as much fun as I'm having watching this and talking about it with you, uh-huh. if you've never seen this match, you need to watch it with Jr. doing commentary. Absolutely. You do. Jr. makes this match. And I don't know that the match is nearly the same without Jr. on commentary because he had a big fight feel and no disrespect to Magnum, but what could this have been if it were you and Jr. Mm. I appreciate you saying that, but. I think, I think the fact that Jr. had a very inexperienced color guy with him at this time really made Jr. pick up his game even more. That's probably so it, true. It, it made Jr. better, and that, that's why we got. And, and and I watched this earlier in the week before we did it. and I'm thinking, wow, fuck, how how much better can you get at calling a match than this? And the, the answer is you can't. Right. Is that Kevin yeah. Sullivan? I think Kevin Sullivan's in my living room. Okay. Well, I got Kevin Sullivan here beside of me. Boy, Kevin Sullivan's like the spirit of Santa Claus. He's everywhere. <laughs> sure is. Actually, uh, this Chihuahua, I think, is a little bit taller than Kevin Sullivan. What about that little fisheye lens gimmick they're rocking on that ringside camera? Every now yeah. and again, it looks like you know the corners are cut off. It's kind of weird. Yeah. So. Steamboat's talked about how both of these guys were cardio machines. Of course, Flair was legendary for partying all night, but then being up first thing and on the Stairmaster and trying to outdo everybody. And Steamboat would talk about how these guys really made this a contest almost to try to blow the other one up to see if they could make the other guy look at, look at Meltzer just pop for that big spot with Flair. It's so fun to watch Meltzer enjoy wrestling. Because yeah. so, so much of what me and you've talked about on this show is Meltzer, for lack of a better word, shitting on stuff and then getting you to respond to it. But here Meltzer is front row ringside, dead center with a pad, trying to make notes, but he can't help but put the pad down and start clapping whenever there's a big spot in the match. Like this one, the figure four really applied for the first time. Of course, that's flair submission move that he almost never won with, but. It gave him an opportunity to cheat and grab the ropes and 
Tommy Young turn around just when it was too late. It, the fans were standing uh, when he went up top because this, and even the fans in the spotlight are standing up here too. And this is how you know you got some masters in the ring because they have drawn you into this. They have absolutely, you're with them every way. And, and it, it goes back to the, 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 the fact that in today's wrestling, it's got to be a high spot. It's got to be a, some sort of, of, of Ura Kanana or some sort of flip flop and fly thing to get you excited about it. No, if you're telling a great story in the ring, you can draw them in. And that's what Flair and Steamboat have done here. And that's what they used to do everywhere. Look at Steamboat pounding. You know, they finally showing hero Matsuda here. Look at Tommy. Just. This is so fucking cool. Hey, don't know if it's going to, uh, be as good as Michael Hayes and the Russian assassin number one, but it's a damn good one. You know, they, they, the old, the old, uh, the old adage was you need to build up, right? You need to build up. You need to start with something. You need to start out slow and build up to your main event. I don't know if I've always bought that or not, but now Tommy saw it. He's going to call for the break. He's going to force Flair to break. And back in the day, you know, Flair would push him and then Tommy would push him back and Flair would take the bump. I knew a lot of people hated when Flair did that. When Flair would let Tommy push him down. Flair ever talk about that? Yep. I know you don't like it, but. Well, I didn't mind it, but I know of a lot of wrestlers who said the, the referee should never be able to shove a wrestler down. And I get that. I, I get that line of thinking. But Flair was always, you know, he was in it for the pop, right? He wanted to, for the entertainment value of it. Had his fist up for a moment. Fuck yes, buddy. This this match should be this match should be uh, required viewing for anybody at the uh, performance center. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if they do that down but, there. Yeah, they do. Do they really? Yeah. Somebody talk them through it, or they just said, "Sit down and watch this, and tell me what you think." I don't know, man. I do mortgages. What do you want from me? No, you look right. You do mortgages, right? I'm Forrest Gump. I do mortgages and run StarCast 2 in Las Vegas coming up Memorial Day weekend. Oh, uh, you've heard about wrestling, it. Wrestling is like a box of chocolates. You got you want one piece, you get some more. If you're not, if you guess what? If that piece of chocolate doesn't fill you up, maybe StarCast 3 will. Oh, my God. Well, you know. You were born in Greenbow, Alabama, weren't you? Watch out. Here's a pickup. Whoa. I shouldn't have said it like that. I shouldn't have said Greenbow, Alabama. I should have said Greenbow, Alabama. That's the right way to say it. Yeah. Now, Flair trying to 
cover him up, a little false finish. So Rick Flair is 40 years old here. You're telling his age. Yeah. One, two. But hey, for 40 years old, man, he's as good as any of them. There you go. A little shove back. And that I don't mind. But when Tommy shoved him down is when there was a little heat backstage on that. But you know what? There was always professional heat. Egos wanted to be on top. Pick up. Notice how Rick positioned himself when he covered him. He flipped over so he could get his feet on the ropes. And now Tommy can't see that magically Flair has no legs. Right. And I think it's great. It's great camera work. Actually, I think it's great because it's like fans are saying, he's got to be able to see that. What the fuck is going on? He's got to be cheating or he's got to be an idiot. Well, one of those. Mm Mm-hmm. We had Tommy last year at Starcast, and he was so much fun. What do you think about uh, these chops? If you had to get chopped, would you rather be chopped by Steamboat or Flair? Oh, I'd rather be chopped by Steamboat. Have you been chopped by Steamboat before? No. Why not? Well, I've just, I've never said lay it in. I never, you know, took oh. off my shirt and said, Hey, oh my God, I need to, can we just pretend for a minute that when you're trying to do some dirty talk with Lois, you tell her to lay it in. <laughs> uh, I, I just imagine you coming home, throwing your keys on the kitchen table and taking your jacket off and saying, Lois, I've had a terrible day today. I'm going to need you to lay it in. We don't talk like that anymore, Conrad. Well, you don't use wrestling terms around the house. No, we just, we don't. Uh, we're just it's different. You, you'll when when you've been married as long as we have, you'll understand. What do you mean? It's just different. Just uh, how so? There's no dirty talk around here. There's oh, no. That's not dirty talk. I said lay it in. <laughs> well, if I would say that to her, she certainly wouldn't chop me. She would say, "Not tonight, son," or something like that. Really? Yeah. She well, would, that's disappointing. She, so, uh, huh, you, you think it is for you, but she would, uh, well, why don't we call her? No, let's not call her. Let me try to talk some sense into her. <laughs> let's not call her. You think I could sell it? <laughs> I, I appreciate your, I appreciate your friendship, but stop, please stop. Why are you fussing at me? Let's get back to this match. It's a great match. And we're talking about two old people. Laying it in. Laying it in. Okay, here we go. Steamboat. Uh, I don't even want to call this match because I don't want to. Here we go. Look at this. Fans are with him on this. Look how excited Meltzer is. Yes, sir. Comes down with the single axe handle. Going back up top for the second time. This time on the near side. Makes his way to the top. Flair turns around just in time, and there it is. Yep. The dreaded ref bump. He does the cross body, but he manages to catch both. I think 
That was probably the plan originally, but for whatever reason, Tommy wasn't in the right spot, but on the second one, he got him. So now Tommy is uh near dead. Flair rolls him up and grabs the tights, but there's nobody here to count. No referee in sight. That's the world title match. We got to get another referee out here. And what do you know? Peanut head here to save the day. Teddy long checking on Tommy young. I look at this for 1989. A third row, third top rope maneuver coming here from Ricky steamboat. And he misses Flair too smart for it. Had it scouted. Now we go to school. Here comes the figure four inside cradle. Peanut head slides in. New world champion, but we've seen this finish a lot. There's a dispute. There's a down draft. What are we right. going to see? The belt now goes he- up and everybody realizes, no, it's really happening. Ricky steamboat is your new world heavyweight champion. They do to a certain extent. Tommy young gets up and here I'm thinking that Tommy Young's going to say, no, I saw him throw him over the top rope. Right now. Flair says, raise his hand. And that confirms it. Flair stepped in there, put his hand over his mouth, said, raise Steamboat's hand. And that confirmed it. Because I go back to uh, the gathering, or I go back to that time where Dusty Rhodes thought he had won it, and Tommy Young had seen thrown over the top rope. Remember that? And the next day on TV said, did Flair is still the champion? Um, so that raising, uh, Tommy young, raising the hand confirmed it and put the wraps on just a phenomenal match really did. And we've got One, a new world champion and we're just, we're not even two years removed from his legendary match with macho man in March of 87 at WrestleMania three and Jr. here trying to explain what we've just seen a real big moment because, you know, at, at this point. Steamboat had been a U.S. champion and he had been an intercontinental champion, but never the world champion. He just beat what everybody at this point agreed was the best wrestler in the world. Ric Flair on a pay-per-view in Chicago, pretty big moment for Steamboat and the NWA and WCW, right? Uh, it's very, very big moment. I, you know, I, I started out this show by saying, here I am in Connecticut at this time laughing about WCW, but I wasn't laughing about this because this was fun. This was phenomenal. And now they're going to, uh, recreate the, uh, the Hulk Hogan scene, right. With Andre, the giant, and they're going to bring in the, uh, the champagne here. You ever had champagne sprayed on you, Conrad? I have. Yeah. It burns like hell. It burns the eyes to the point to where the, it, it kind of ruined this, this, this interview here. Uh, because once Steamboat got it in his eyes, then it's like, oh, it's burning. I just, Bob Cottle knows too. And Steamboat won't be able to open his eyes. But it's a great moment. It really is. And it, so Steamboat pours, pours over his head and then realizes, oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. Bob, where are you? Bob? Bob? Oh. I mean, it burns like all get out. And that's why you see. That's why you see guys, uh, right now, you know, in baseball, the world series, they wear goggles. Now keep that shit out of my eyes. Are you saying it burns? It burns. So it burns a little. 
Yeah. Why don't we do this? Was a burning sensation to me. The show was eh, and then the main event was just killer. Right. What say you? Great show. Great, great choice. It's a match I can watch again and again and again. Really? Well, you'll get to watch it again at Starcast because uh, we're going to have the guys talking about it. It should be a good time, and I'm looking forward to uh, what we're doing next week. What do you want to do next week, Tony? Tell you exactly what I what I want to do, and I've been thinking about this. And you even brought it up. You know, I I brought up. I said it. I said earlier. Steamboat and Flair, is that the greatest rivalry ever? And you said, well, a lot of the fans would think, the current fans would think it'd be The Rock and, uh, and uh, Stone Cold. I'd like to go back and watch a Raw during the Attitude Era. Because that Attitude Era, com- I was completely lost from the Attitude Era because I was working in WCW. And as I've told you before, I ignored what was going on there. But as we have gone along here, and, and as you've brought me back into this business, Forrest Gump, as you brought me back and as you've got me interested in it again, I've watched some of Mr. McMahon, uh, against stone cold. And I've watched some of some of the other stuff that's happened. And there was some great shit and there was some great shit that turned the tide. The tide was turned because number one, we were the drizzling shits and number two, they were doing some great stuff. So I'd like to go back and watch something from the attitude era. And I don't know if you, yeah, I mean, you may want to do a pay-per-view, but I mean, maybe some of the good stuff was on raw, just something that exemplifies that era and how great it was. Well, let's do something that has been so requested that people are border borderline mad at me that we haven't done it yet. Cause I haven't All covered right. it on any show yet. Okay. But why don't we do WrestleMania 17? which happened just six days after WCW closed. So it's the first time that there is a WrestleMania with no ECW and no WCW in a long time. It's right. in Houston, the biggest WrestleMania ever. And the main event is stone cold, Steve Austin versus the rock. Okay. You got it. So that's what we're doing next week, right here on what happened when hopefully I didn't just sign up for a four hour show, but I think I may have. You did, uh, but it will be a good time because, uh, there's a, a gimmick battle Royal, right? An old school battle Royal of sorts. And Michael Hayes is in it and Bruce Pritchard's in it and Jim Cornette's in it. Mm. The iron cheeks in it. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's the gimmick battle Royal. I believe I, I remember it being called and with the exception of my beautiful wife, Lois, I would not rather spend four hours than anybody else in the world but with you and I'll do that next week. Well, I mean, if you'd rather, I could just get Cassio in here and then y'all could do no, Cassio's stop, stop. Would you stop it? You, you bruise so easily. I bruise easily. You bruise easily. It's, you know, be a man's man. All right. Well, anything else? No, nothing else. Uh, don't forget lowestrules.com and join us on Patreon, Patreon forward slash WHW Monday, having a great time. We've made some great friends and we're going to have them all. Out in Huntsville, Alabama, coming up in the middle of March, uh, even though Megan didn't know anything about it. And then the next week, you and I are jettisoning off to Chicago, which should be a fun time. If you haven't already, make plans to see us. We're going to be at C2E2 doing a show, C2E2 After Dark. Uh, look for our links on Twitter. You can find them at 83 Weeks for Eric and at WHW Monday for Tony. 
and you're going to get a super show because it's Eric Bischoff. It's Tony Schiavone and myself. Uh, what happened when in 83 weeks? So coming together, this should be interesting because you guys don't like each other. Um, well, Eric doesn't like anybody and you specifically don't like Eric. So this should you, be fun. You fuck. Well, you don't. You, you know, I like Eric a lot. Okay. Tell me your favorite Eric memory. Uh, when he signed me, uh, okay. When he, what, give me one when he wasn't giving you money. Okay. <laughs> okay. The night, uh, the night he got the job, uh, Eric, Lois, Lori, and I went out to eat and, then, time. and then he changed and never spoke to you again. Well, that was his problem. Yeah. Just, I like it. tune in next week when we watch WrestleMania 17 for the first time, Tony, when I look at my clock, I realize it's about that time. Hi, everybody. Tony Schiavone coming to you live and over here on table number one. Well, here's Forrest Gump himself, Conrad Thompson, his beautiful wife, Megan, and they are sitting at the table with, it looks like Lois Schiavone, who is now on her uh, sweetheart. Is that your 10th martini? Didn't you just get out of the hospital? Wait a minute. She's thrown down the glass. She is standing up. She is walking towards me. She's got both hands. She's going to go around my neck, and we are desperately out of time. We'll see you next week. The tape machines are rolling on what happened when on the, <coughs> on the MLW radio network as well as on <coughs> Patron. Emotional considerations paid for by the following. Boxofgimmicks.com with new items each week. The, the, the official store of what happened when, something to wrestle with, and 83 weeks. Log, log on right now. Get, get, get your gimmicks for the wrestling fan in your, your, your life or something for yourself. And by patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Want to be a low-key big hog? How about a glass bottom boat rider? What about a member of the Hot Tag Express or, or, or the Slap Dick Nation? You can, can, can join Conrad Thompson and Tony Schiavone with bonus podcasts, behind the scenes videos, live weekly chats, and new, new content each week. And by LoisRules.com. Get your t shirts from What Happened When right now. And by Starcast 2. Coming to Las Vegas, May 23rd through the 26th as, as, as part of Double or Nothing Weekend. Go to, 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 to StarCast.com for more information.